Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my friend and co-host from Number One Comic Books, Rod Clairbout. What's up, dude? How's it going, man? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> been a All minute the way back since to C2E2. Yeah, right? Yeah, and as I say, it's been a minute since we've talked in either capacity with with um, uh, comic book podcast kind of being on hiatus for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, 2020 kind of threw a wrench into that, that's for sure. <laughs> Fucking 2020. <laughs> well, it's a new year, and hopefully it's going to be better. Um, I know I've been delighted watching all the videos of the the white nationalists and the, the Trump protester people, basically all the morons that broke into the Capitol building. I've really enjoyed all the videos of watching them get arrested online, though. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> shit was fucking wild. And then all the, I mean, obviously, then, like, those memes started happening where it's, like, the Simpsons called it, and they showed, like, a picture of, of like, one guy that was all <laughs> dressed up with the, the like, stuffed animal hat or whatever. <laughs> it looked just like hat. one. hat. <laughs> He skinned a teddy bear. <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck, man? And this is like from the law and order side of the fence. It's, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, really warmed my heart seeing all those people get arrested. Really like in the bout of it though, I I feel like there should have been a lot more pepper spray and tear gas and rubber bullets used. I mean, yeah. they didn't have any qualms using that shit on BLM protesters. Yeah, they were they were very uh, hands off for a while during that. <laughs> oh, that selective police violence. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's good. I mean, we're going to be going into an interesting week here with with uh, Biden's inauguration coming up, and 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 I, I see Trump finally put out some. I don't know, he had to release it some way. It definitely wasn't through social media, right? <laughs> yeah, he had to get someone to release it for him, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but he put out something like urging people to like not be violent. And it's like, you're probably a little too late, buddy. It's like, you, can, can you really plug the dam after it's burst? Yeah, you, yeah, you can't really do much at this point. I think a little too much damage has been done. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully cooler heads prevail and, and, and no shit goes sideways this week. And we can yeah. just smoothly sail till fucking Friday and get that next episode of WandaVision. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I was really, I was really excited. I felt like, see, it was weird. Like once, once Endgame was done and kind of everything ended for that phase three and there really wasn't any movies coming out for a bit. It's almost like I, I was, I really wasn't paying attention to like the rumors of like the next phase and like all the theories on like what these shows are going to bring. So I really didn't outside of just seeing the trailer for WandaVision. I really didn't know what they were going to do with it. It kind of, it made me think that they might be mixing a bit of the Tom King vision story from the comics into the show, like just like a general um, kind of plot plot line. But I wasn't sure after watching those first two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder if that comparison's being drawn just because in that comic, it's, you know, it's, like the, it's, it's a nuclear household, pretty much. Exactly. It's like, you know, Vision trying to have a family. Um, I've read the first few issues of it. I actually just started reading it again last night, but but um, only made it like maybe the first issue into the trade so far. Um, yeah. The the other comparisons for the show I've been seeing were for House of M. And, yeah, and it, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And, and both of these books, like the first volume is free on 
on Comixology Unlimited. So yet another reason that you should have Comixology Unlimited if you're into reading comics. Yep. Um, but yeah, I read House of M yesterday on there. It was like an eight issue run. Um, I'd had it summarized for me like multiple times, but it was the first time I'd ever actually read the trade. And um, wow, man, that was that was fucking wild. <laughs> it was yeah, a really, really I, good I, story. I remember I read it, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago, I want to say. I maybe read the cause yeah, eight-issue miniseries. And it was on, I think, Marvel Unlimited or something at the time. And I always remember hearing people talk about it and how good of a story that was. And I just never read it. So I, I read it, and yeah, it was... I, I vaguely remember a lot of it now, but I feel like if we started talking about it, I'd start remembering stuff. I definitely remember the end, though, with just Scarlet Witch and how, uh, like, what she does, obviously, like, killing most or half the mutants and everything, or all of them. Well, okay, so, yeah, um, light spoilers for House of M. Um, so basically what happens is Wanda has, like, some sort of breakdown and kills some of the original Avengers. And so then a bunch of heroes all yes. get together uh, drawn together by Charles Xavier because Charles is having trouble containing Wanda. Um, she's, yep. she's kind of falling apart at the seams and because her powers are so, you know, powerful and, you know, reality altering, she, you know, she just really can't be contained. And so they're kind of having a vote between, you know, old Avengers, new Avengers and the X-Men on, you know, should we kill, you know, Wanda Maximoff and, they ultimately say no, and when they go to visit her, she's gone. Like Magneto and 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 Pietro, or Pietre, whichever version, Quicksilver, have like yeah. taken her away. And then when they go to find her, boom, there's a big flash of light, and then everything is different. And so she is like basically completely changed reality to where now, you know, Homo sapiens are the minority and mutants are the dominant and you know, it's Magneto's kind of in charge of everything, and his family is almost like royalty, and fucking wild, man. And then they meet some girl who's able to, like, make the heroes remember their true past. And, man, the yes. arc that Spider-Man yes. goes through in that is just heartbreaking. Fucked mm -hmm. up stuff. Because she, like, brings people back from the dead that, yeah. that yep. had previously, you know, died in real reality. And now in her new reality, they're back alive. And then people have to deal with the memories of the fact that it's like they talk about having dual memories once they get woken back up. And it was a cool storyline. It was uh, Brian Michael Bendis, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Cause didn't Wolverine like remember yeah, a couple of his, of his different lives or something too. Yeah. Cause he was basically like the first to remember. And then he kind of like goes on a tear, you know, that's like the early issues of the, the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He's, isn't that when he's going or no, maybe I'm mixing up a different comic. Yeah, because, well, was, in the new reality, he's basically, like, the Nick Fury. Yeah. And so yes. he just wakes up, and he's like, what the fuck? Because, <laughs> like, he wakes up into this life that, you know, like, he immediately knows that it's something's not right. Yeah, and is that, so, like, is, like, and that's what I was kind of taking from the trailer of WandaVision, just, like, the trailer of the show throughout its entirety, is that it looks like she basically hasn't been able to handle Vision's death. And this is like the way of like for like shield or, or whoever to like kind of they have her like asleep and they're kind of like putting like a fake dream or whatever to make her think she's in a different reality. 
that's kind of my thought as well. Yeah, let's get into some spoilers for WandaVision too. So, so if you haven't seen WandaVision yet, we're going to get in and talk about this and spoil it. Um, it it's only been, what, two 30-minute episodes so far. Yeah, and you so, don't really get a whole lot. Yeah, so, I mean, if you don't want to be spoiled on this, I, I can't imagine we're going to spend a lot of time on it. But, but um, yeah, let, let's get into some spoiler territory for that show. Um, I'd say off the bat, like, I Tupperware the first episode and high taste the second episode. Um, that first episode, I was laughing my ass off. I couldn't believe how funny it was. <laughs> yeah, it was a good episode. I, I really enjoyed like just that it, it being in like that fifties. I dream of genie, black and white, um, like old TV show style. I really liked, and the fact that they even like tra- had like the laugh track going, and then them trying to tell like those types of jokes that they told in the 50s i thought it was really good yeah yeah i i definitely i've only watched both episodes once so i mean yep. on, on rewatches my my ratings might adjust a little bit but um i i just wasn't expecting it to be so funny <laughs> i mean seeing seeing vision act the way that he acts and that when he starts fucking singing yakety yak <laughs> i was yep. pissed myself that was funny <laughs> <laughs> And also, it's like, I grew up, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I grew up watching those old black and white shows, like Bewitched, and, you know, I'd, I'd watched on Nick and Knight. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd watch those, I'd watch the Munsters and, and stuff like that. And just, like, seeing the 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 plot line that that episode was, it was like, oh my god, that is totally what those old sitcoms were like. They all yep. had ridiculous plots like that, where it's like, okay, there's going to be a misunderstanding the 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 old trope of the boss and the wife are coming over and we need to we need to impress Better. them but but we're not ready to impress them at all and it was it was fucking perfect man it was so yeah. funny and then when it threw the weirdness in it was like oh my god here we go now there's there there's something deep and potentially sinister going on under the surface here and we're just getting glimpses of that in each in each episode. And and right away I noticed on that logo, it shows it on the screen, it shows it on the little notebook that the observer closes at the end of the episode, and it's also on the beekeeper's suit, and it's on that little helicopter she finds. It's the sword logo. Which is in like, you know, I don't have a super deep history in Marvel Comics, but I know there's shield and then sword, and sword is like the space component of shield, right? I didn't even know what sword was. <laughs> honestly like i knew shield obviously but i didn't know uh i had no idea what sword was yeah because i i i think like the going theory was is that at the end of spider-man far from home when we see nick fury up in space that he's on a sword installation okay because it also like in the early marvel comics uh nick fury was wasn't he on like a space station didn't he monitor everything from space? I mean, I know he had helicarriers too. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I haven't read. A, I haven't read a ton of old, like the older Marvel runs. Yeah, where I've got a lot of Nick Fury, so I don't know much on his like comic background that well. God, I just read one of his. Oh, I read Original Sin not too long ago, and that's very much a Nick Fury story. Okay. Yeah, that was wild. Um, uh, you know, we've heard Brian reference it multiple times you know, on number one comic books. And I knew it was a Jason Aaron run. And I knew that that was where Thor becomes unworthy is in that run. 
because when oh, he's okay. fighting um when he's fighting Nick Fury on the surface of the moon, Nick Fury whispers something in his ear. Thor drops Mjolnir and he's not able to pick it back up. And then you, you have to read a whole bunch of shit. Like, and it's like years later where you find out what he whispered. It's fucking rad. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's fucking cool. <laughs> that sounds good too. Dude, it's Jason Aaron writes some great stuff. Oh my God. Jason Aaron is like the best Thor stuff you can read. And then, um, um, oh, let's see. So I read original sin and then I went right into reading the, um, uh, so I kind of jumped back then and went back and reread the gore, the God butcher and mm-hmm. then God bomb storylines of the original Jason Aaron run. Have you ever read those? Um, I don't think so. I haven't read a whole lot of Thor. Like I, I know I've heard how much of the Jason Aaron stuff I need to read and I've just never got to it. Okay. Th- that's where you want to pick up is, um, hold on a second. I'm going to pull it up right now. I think it's Thor God of Thunder is the name of the run. But I think it's the first run that Jason Aaron did. It's where it starts off. But in the first... Come on, where are you? I need a guy in the chair. (laughs) We need a Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Before before it starts off, there's a... Well, there's a young Thor, like a modern day Thor, and then a King Thor from way in the future. And they're all combined together in this storyline. Okay, that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, it's Thor, God of Thunder. Thor, God of Thunder, okay. Yep, and um, I'm pretty sure at least the first trade is, is on Comixology Unlimited. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll definitely have to read that then. Fuck, the entire run. I know there's a shitload of Jason Aaron Thor that's in Comixology Unlimited. Yeah, he's written a lot of Thor. Yeah, yeah, he did it for years, man. And then to have Donnie Cates Thor. take over afterwards, it's like, yeah. holy shit. Oh, yeah, Cates, yeah, Cates is like the perfect person to step in there, too. Have you read, um, I know we covered his first issue on number one comic books, but have you? did you read much more of that Thor run with uh-huh. Cates? Man, it's been good. Has it? Oh, it's, it's still shit. Going on. The first arc is is Thor teamed up with Galactus. And they're going after this threat that's coming in. And then, like, finding out through it that, of course, Galactus lied to Thor and misrepresented what was going on. And then seeing what Thor does to Galactus as a result. I mean, we all know, anybody that's read enough Donny Cates knows, Donny Cates takes something and he makes it metal as fuck. Is the best way to do it. Like, he just, he makes it really fun he takes it an angle that you didn't expect to see going and he just makes it super fucking awesome like well it's just i oh man i can just go on and on <laughs> about the yeah, ideas he'll, he'll, that comes out of that guy's brain he's fucking brilliant yeah like he'll take those ideas that you think about like you'll just be shooting the shit like when we we talk about a number one comic book sometimes like we'll shoot the shit thinking like oh well this would be a cool idea if they did this with this character but then like as we say we also think it kind of sounds dumb but then that same type of weird idea is something that Donny Cates does, but then he makes it awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, take that, he'll take that random thought that you and your friends have. Like, wouldn't it be cool if they did this? They're like, no, that might be dumb. And then they, he ends up doing it, but then it's like just an amazing run that he does with it. Like when he did Cosmic Ghost Rider, that was great. 
That was such a they fun book. They beat Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the type of stuff he does. It's great. And then, then he, he can just do runs for a long time. Then he can do really great miniseries and stuff like that. Yeah. He's just really versatile right now. Yeah, I've, I've been uh, reading his crossover book that's coming out, and I've been liking that. That's his uh, newest uh, um, creator-owned through Image. Okay. And that one's been pretty good. Um, I don't got too much on my pull list these days. I kind of need to start uh, flushing it out a little bit more, maybe dip my toes in. But I've been more, when I spend money on comics, I've just been buying trades. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a lot of the times that's the best way if you don't have this if you don't necessarily want to keep collecting any single issues or you just don't have the space to continue to do it. Yeah, and, and uh one of the books on my pull list actually just wrapped up. Um that was Red Mother by um Oh my god, I'm a blank on his name now. <laughs> that's unbelievable. I've like met the guy and shook his hand. <laughs> I don't like I know you mentioned how good it was and I can't remember if I ever asked who wrote it now. I don't even want to guess a name because I don't want to throw you off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the tip of your tongue and then all of a sudden you can't remember it. I know. It's like, I oh, you put yourself on the spot, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but be- before I forget with WandaVision, mm-hmm. is there like a theory out there? Because now that Fox is part of the MCU that, because I remember you've seen Logan, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So like in Logan... They don't really go into it, but there's like that reference where something with the mutants happened a while ago and they made it seem like Xavier did it. Are they going to kind of try to tie in House of M with Logan to bring that version of Fox characters into the Marvel Universe and kind of have it be like they made it seem like in Logan that it was Xavier who actually killed the mutants, but in reality it was actually Wanda. See, I, I, my thought is that outside of Deadpool and maybe bringing back, you know, just like specific actors that they think did a good job, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to carry on much of the Fox continuity. Um, okay. Because Fox, I mean, Fox was pretty hit or miss. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like they had some that were that were really good. They had some that were real stinkers. Um, but it can't be denied that they had some some really, really good actors, you know, playing these characters. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I'd, l- I'd love to see some of those carry over. Um, uh, real quick before I forget, Red Mother is written by Jeremy Hahn and art by Danny Luckert. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I, sp- I spaced on Jeremy Hahn's name. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to him at C2E2 one year and he signed my copy of The Realm. Really, really nice guy. Oh, he did that too. Okay, I remember. I've, I've read some of that as yeah. well. Um, I think I could be wrong, but I think he does the art for the realm, and somebody else might write it. But don't hold me to that. I'd have to look it up. Okay, realm was a good book though. That was pretty cool. That's yeah. one also I need to carry on with. I, I think I've read maybe the first two trades of it. I need to get back on that one. That had a really cool uh, premise where it was like, it was like a dystopian future almost, but then it was. It was like there was like orcs and shit like that around also. And it was like pe- some people were using swords and it's like, what is going on? Like his, his magic started coming back. Like, I don't know. Like I loved the premise. So I, I definitely yeah. jump back into that. Yeah. I think right now, like with me, I don't even have 
outside of uh, like older comics that are still continue their runs, like I'm doing like a like a, there's Oblivion song that I think I still have on my pull list. Um, I think Birthright is almost finishing up. I don't know. Like I know it keeps going, but I don't know if it's getting close to its story being done. But it's close to like 60 issues now at least. Wow. Yeah, um, I've been reading that one in trades. And then, what else do I still have that's like left? Because some of them just finished. Because they're either mini series or the story was ending. Oh, um, fuck the one with uh, the puzzle pieces. This isn't gonna help. <laughs> God damn it! I'm trying to like. I know it, it was really good. It was um, so Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Um, and like that guy's like remembering like he's finding like pieces of wood at the beginning of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You're talking Gideon Falls. There we go, Gideon Falls. That, that book's Justin. been fucking great, dude. Yeah, that's going to yeah. uh, end, I believe, on an oversized issue number 29 that should be coming out real soon, if not already, right? Yeah, so that was on my pull list, so that's ending. Um, so other than that, it's like it's. I'm just kind of waiting for series to finish up, so I still got Redneck and, ba- I think, Baby Teeth, if it didn't end. Um, I think Baby Teeth may have wrapped up. Okay, because some of them go on hiatus for a while and then come back, or they do some extra issue. You never know with them sometimes. Yeah. But the majority of my stuff, it's like I haven't really added new stuff. It's just stuff that I've I started from the beginning that I've been getting that I just want to keep until they finish the series, and then I until I like really start focusing in on um, some more series that are going to be coming out. I probably won't add stuff to my pull list. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Gosh, maybe the only other thing I have on my pull list that's active right now is um, uh, Nailbiter Returns. Yep, yeah. That's been pretty good so far. What have you thought of that? Yeah, I've I've, I've been liking that. It's, I like getting back into that world, obviously, with with Warren and everything. So uh, the I think, what, they just came out the eighth issue. I think the ninth comes out in a couple weeks, like yeah. the end of January or something like that. Yeah, um, I need to read that. That most recent issue, the the A cover, it's it's like uh, the old timey looking cover, which is a throwback to the one that they did in the original series. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. I like that he's been doing that too. Is like he's dropping Easter eggs to the original um, run when like they did certain comic covers, or even if it was like a couple pages, they did in one style. <laughs> they've been they've been doing hints of that, and which I really like. Yeah, and I mean, and the story so far seems pretty cool. There hasn't been any like crazy twist yet but i know that they're going to come with one so i'm just kind of waiting for it to happen yeah yeah i'd say this is it hasn't blown my socks off yet but it's been entertaining but i also think that that when you like that fucking first trade of nailbiter is really really spectacular yeah it was a really good first trade it's getting that could get you hooked because I remember I, I read it and I was like, damn. And then I just read the whole series and like. Yeah, well, that there was just single issues of it where it was just like, holy shit. Like there's just scenes in that that like it was he was able to do the comic in such a way that it, it made it very cinematic in scenes, you yep. know. And and admittedly, I have not read this new stuff as much as I've read the original and so I've been holding off on like, you know, giving it like any sort of official rating or anything like that beyond, you know, I like it and it's keeping my attention and I'm happily including it on my pull list every month mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and wait and to I see know how he's it's going to wrap. Yeah. I mean, Josh, Josh Williamson, he can do some slow burns and I feel like this might be a slow burn that he does with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I like how uh, you know because you and I have a long podcasting history of discussing Nailbiter, and yep. um, <laughs> and I remember I remember us talking somewhere along the lines of where would it carry on if it if it wrapped or you know if it came back after you know issue thirty where where would it come back to? And one of the things we had speculated was um um I'm trying to think what is the what is the cop's name? I know her daughter's name is Alice. Oh, uh, Crane. Yes. We were speculating of Crane, like going and joining the FBI to kind of then Mm -hmm. go and like, you know, hunt serial killers or something like that. And it's like, well, she ends up hunting serial killers, just not with the FBI. And like the way that they have her drawn now is like, so very Sarah Connors. Right. That's exactly what I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I've been absolutely delighted with that. Um, like I, I love where, where Finch is at in his life now. Um, and where Warren is is kind of hilarious, and the, the the way that they have his character drawn now, with the way he looks, yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking great. But then just the whole premise in this next one that there's this game, there's another game, you know, or you know, not another game, but there's a game yeah. that originated but- in Buckaroo that has to do with the serial killers, and it ties back to when you know Crane and and Warren were in high school and. Uh, it's it, like I said, it's been very entertaining so far and, and I'm excited to see how it's going to wrap up. And, and I wonder if this is going to be some sort of one shot or if, if, if not really a one shot, but like, you know, like maybe a one shot arc or if they're going to do something where they're going to carry on and do, you know, I mean, it'd be crazy to think they'd do another 30 issues, but I mean, shit, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't that, really know what their vision is. Yeah. I don't know. Like how, yeah. Like how, uh, in depth they want to get with this story and how many crazy twists they want that he has planned for it. Cause I mean, obviously when you have a, when you have a daughter as part of the, part of the story as one of the main characters, if, if he has it in his mind to keep her alive, I mean, he honestly could, could have this story go on for a long time if he wanted to like go through the years of her growing up and tell story arcs that way. But I mean, I kind of hope he does like maybe like a, 20 issue run and like that kind of like is the finale of it Hmm. but i mean if if it has some crazy twist on it and he leaves it open for more i'm not going to say no to it (laughs) yeah exactly that's the thing so it's like because it at least with comics like some comics you can it's not like shows where a lot of the times you, you say it went on too too many issues like a TV show, you would say it went on too many episodes and they need to condense it. A lot of times when you have a good, good comic, you aren't upset if you get some filler information in an issue or something like that. Like you don't need something crazy to happen every issue for it to be a, a really good story. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a fine line that, um, that needs to be walked there with it. Um, I don't know. Just the way that, that this has been going so far though, it makes me feel like it's just going to be, a one story arc. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. I can't imagine him trying to do too much else with it right now, but it definitely that first time when you got, um, we got crane coming in you didn't know who it was going to be is definitely like that shot that you think of with her, that eye patch on and her bulletproof vest. I was like, fuck, it's just like Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That newest issue that came out was issue eight. Eight, okay. So I'm wondering if this is going to be like maybe a 10 issue run or a 12 issue. Yeah. Cause I mean, 
trying to think what because I read eight this morning and I'm trying to think how close they could be to like finalizing whatever this story is. I mean, yeah. they could, yeah, they could make it like a 12 issue run or a 10 issue uh, miniseries or something like that, and then it'd be done. Because yeah. I could see him maybe in the next two issues, kind of wrapping up whatever story he wants to tell, and then leaving it with the possibility to come back later on for something else. But I kind of, li- I kind of like the idea of it with being just like those original Buckaroo Butchers, and then them kind of throughout the story arc revisiting some of them. Um, and then it being done, unless they kind of keep going back to that well of visiting other serial killers from those originals in the first storyline. I don't know if I really need a whole lot more. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, depending on how they, they land this and you know, if it is something where it's like they conclude it or I know it would be kind of cool to see him go back and revisit that stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like, in, even like the serial killers that they did touch on in this one, it wasn't really like, I mean, you got a little bit more backstory on some of them, but it still wasn't the real ones. Yeah. So I guess like if he decided to go back and actually do like Nailbiter, um, it would all, I guess it would almost be like a spinoff though at that point, because then you would be basically if he went into those time periods of when they were the, the butchers. Yeah. He would have to do almost like Nailbiter colon and then whatever that butcher is or something as like the title for that comic oh like maybe like a series of one shots or something like yeah, that. yeah so he could do like his, that'd be kind of actually cool like a series that would be of actually kind of cool where it's like maybe like an oversized issue too like a, a 35 or 40 page issue and you get like a a story like almost like the origin story or a certain time period of that that serial killer and you get you get that issue where it's like you get introduced to characters at that time or there actually might be one character that's part of the original nail biter storyline that was actually involved in all these other ones too. Yeah. And so you're getting like that character. Yeah. Hmm. Do it. Joshua Williamson. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) It goes without saying if they do it, you and I will both be buying it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's um, one comic that I still want. I still pick up. I want the single issue covers because they're nice. just awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm fully over to digital now. I pretty much only get print copies if it's like part of a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um. Uh. The the other book I've been buying is Seven to Eternities on its last arc right now. Oh, uh, I remember you talked a lot about how much you like that. I love that book. It is so good. It's like a western. It's like a western that's set in in a fantasy. Like, didn't world. you say the the they had one artist on it at the beginning who's amazing, and then they switched for like a story arc, and it sucked. Well, so <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're comparing yeah. it, compared it to <laughs> the original artist, it, 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 like it, I, it I don't want to. Okay, so saying it sucked not. is definitely too harsh. Um, no, there was like a few issues there where it was a different artist, but. Part of the uh, part of what I was so obsessed on with Seven to Eternity was, um, I think it's Jerome Opinia, Jerome or Jeremy. Let me see. That's is that Rick Remender that wrote that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, Rick Remender, Jerome Opinia, okay. and then Matt Hollinsworth does the color. 
where uh, Matt Hollingsworth, uh, Hollingsworth also did the color for Tokyo Ghost, which is oh, also nice. a Rick Remender book. I don't know if you've ever read Tokyo Ghost, but it is fucking incredible. Yeah, I remember I heard it because it's like a ten it's issue arc. Like a, yeah, it's not very long. I knew that. Yeah, it's like d- dystopian future where people are like addicted to like media and stuff that they almost like mainline. So it's like they take it as a drug, but then they just see like a little screen like in the air in front of their face that they zone out on. And so people be on all these different drugs and they'll just be like zoned out with all these different virtual screens in front of their faces. That's pretty cool. It's fucked up, man. (laughs) Sounds like a pretty cool like storyline for a comic. I could definitely see because he also wrote um, Chrononauts and that was awesome. Oh, I loved Corona. Um, yeah, Chrononauts, and then the artwork on that was um, wasn't it? What's that? Was that, <clears throat> was that um, Murphy? Was his last name? Wasn't it for the art? Yeah, can't remember his first name though. <laughs> I know we're having a fun time here of not Sean, remembering Sean Murphy. Any fucking creators' names? <laughs> right? I feel so bad. I was like, because I would know these any other time. I just haven't checked the books out in a minute. And it, well, and that's what happens, you know, when we do a podcast like this and just spitball. We just talk about whatever comes up. Because <laughs> it's like, say, you, how do you have notes prepared for when? <laughs> yeah, when you, when you don't know what you're going to talk about, you don't have notes prepared. Now I got to figure out who it is. No, it's. I'm pretty sure. It's, I want to say it's Sean Gordon Murphy. That's what I was thinking, too. I, I think you nailed it with Sean Murphy, though. But yeah, because he also did the art on, um, or he may have wrote it, too. He wrote and drew, draws uh, Batman right. White Knight. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> that was such a good story. There was like a uh, um, sequel series like to a, that, too, yeah, that I have not like read spin-off. yet. Yeah, I, didn't, I think I got it because it was him, and I wanted it, but I don't think I've read it yet. Yeah, those were great. I think I think White Knight was like what an eight issue run or whatever. Yeah, seven or eight. I feel like it went. No, uh, yeah, I think eight. For some reason, yeah. I thought it was like an, on an odd number, but I don't think he did that. I love Sean Murphy's art style, though. It is yeah, so unique. Really cool. And those covers that he did for Chrononauts are really cool, especially that one. That yeah, the was Back like to the Back Future cover. One. Yeah, that was real cool. <laughs> that would been that'd be a cool show that they uh, could. Uh, is that? Owned by Netflix. You'd think that it's a Miller, you know, is it, was it Miller World, the name of his yeah. production company? I was like, why am I asking? We we need to ask everything to Google today. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would think that, I, I wonder if that is part of it. Because I'd be co- either, I don't know if I'd w- want live or if it'd be cool, if that would be a cool one to do as like a animated. Hmm. I'd like to see a live action of it. I'd like to see a live action of Nemesis also. Oh yeah, Nemesis would be nuts. <laughs> Nemesis would be so good. Dude, it would be mean, like, do it just as fucking bloody and violent as the boys is. Yeah, like and, it'd be a mix of the boys with with I don't know. Holy shit, I want to see the opening scene of the guy getting hit by the bullet train. Yes. Like I w- I want to see that in live action. I'm you know. It's like it's like and, a mix of the boys, a little bit of Deadpool comedy, but like not in that fourth wall breaking type. And then I don't know, like almost 
No, this is a really like the the like the mind games that he plays are so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just trying to and like I can't compare it to anything like because it's so fucked up. <laughs> and that's why it's perfect for like Netflix, like that next like really like dark show that they do. That's like a superhero show. Yeah, no, nah, it'd be good. It'd be really good. It would be really cool if they did it as a show too, just like a one. A one-season show. Yeah. Yeah, just do, like, one of those limited series. So that they can really get into the minutia of all the fucking crazy shit that this guy puts this police chief through. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Because that's what, like, I, I mean, I've, I just read the first um, story arc of The Boys. So, like, not a whole lot has happened. But after seeing, like, I watched the show. So that's why I went back and started and read the started reading the comic. And I like that they didn't. Like they kind of just take like general plot lines or general direction of the comic and apply it to the show and then just kind of do their own twists on it, which I liked. Yeah, it's it's definitely more it's like the the vibe is the same. Yeah. Between between the show and the comic. But they're both they both do their, their own things. And and also with a, a lot of the stuff that's in the comic, it is shall we say of its day. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I, I don't think you're going to see. I, like I, the I fucked just... up shit in the first uh, story arc of the comic where they are going to see the, the was it the kicks? <laughs> they're spying on them and they're all in that like brothel pretty much. <laughs> they're just oh, yeah, changing they, they just keep you like switch. <laughs> yeah. The one guy had like his gun stuck up his ass or something. All this fucked up shit was happening. Oh my god! Yeah. So like I said, they very much vibe. <laughs> they very much share the same vibe, but they're doing their own thing. Um, but man, that season two of The Boys was so good. Yeah, it was. God, yeah. that was a show that I, I remember I'd started the first season a while back and like watched the maybe I think the first two episodes, but then ended up not getting back to it not because i didn't like it i just didn't get back to it and then i finally rewatched the first season because i knew the second season was out and how good it was and i basically just binged it yeah yeah no i was watching that one week to week i was obsessing over it (laughs) It that second season was incredible yeah it was very good episodes were so good and then season two the umbrella academy last year was really good season two the mandalorian was amazing a lot I feel of good like season twos from 2020. I feel like they missed the opportunity. Maybe, obviously, probably because he's too popular of an actor now. But how closely they could have just used Simon Pegg as Huey. Because he looked so much like him from the comic. Well, in the comic, he was based on Simon Pegg. Oh, he was? Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more just like an Easter egg to throw Simon Egg in the show as Huey's dad. Yes, it was absolutely an Easter egg for the comic. Got it. Okay. Makes yeah. Perfect sense, though. Um, but yeah, otherwise his character is just too old. Um, yeah. But like, I, I like the differences that they're doing in the show. Um, because it's like, as much as I like the comic, like, I'm not going to hail it as like one of the greatest of all time because I personally can't reconcile the, the way that it ends. Like, it's not, I'm not, I didn't like the way it ended. And it's like, I I get it. It's like, you got to land things. And sometimes characters, you know, end up running a course that. You didn't want them to, but that's how they decided to go with it. Exactly. And so it's like, can you really, 
hold that against things in, in any critical way when when it is you when your point of contention is just a, a matter of opinion in terms of where the plot went then it's kind of a it's kind of weak sauce to you know because i because i feel like your your gripe is based entirely on opinion but but maybe that's what what all critiques are right so yeah, i get lost <laughs> in the weeds um I don't know. I seemingly, you know, you know how I am. It's like I seemingly have a hard time criticizing things. <laughs> I mean, Wonder Woman eighty four wouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> oh gosh, how disappointing was that movie? Holy shit! Seriously, yeah, I um, started that movie with my entire family, and when the movie wrapped, and for maybe the last entire hour of it, I was by myself because everybody else bailed. Yeah, I started. We, I watched it when it came out, and. I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I was just, like, kind of watching it and not really, like, getting into it. Kept kind of checking my phone and stuff. And just, like, in my head thinking, is this really not as good as I think it is? Or is everyone feeling the same way? And then I started seeing people <laughs> posting stuff. I was like, all right, good. This is not just me. <laughs> is this bad? <laughs> I was like, the, why is, like, I was like, I don't know enough about the, like, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, since I don't have the 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 depth of knowledge on the Wonder Woman uh, storylines that they do in the comics, I didn't know if what type of storylines they were trying to touch on from the comics, or if they were, and if there really is a character in the comics like this guy who's trying to be an oil man or whatever. And I thought I was like that was just dumb. I was like, uh, I was like this villain is not not what I want. Yeah, and, no, they they shouldn't have had Maxwell Lord in it at all. I, I feel like that was pointless. It was like they should have chose a villain. It's like either do a Cheetah movie or do a Maxwell Lord movie. Do one or the other. And <clears throat> visually, like as neat as the opening scene in Themyscira was, it had absolutely zero bearing on the rest of the movie. Yeah, that was just a scene to add in. It was, like... it was just this was here because it's cool. And I'm not going to lie. It was cool. Like visually, yeah. it was some of the best stuff in the movie. But if you want to do a movie and show me cool stuff in Themyscira then commit to it and just do a movie and show me cool stuff that Diana did in her youth in Themyscira. Otherwise I feel like Wonder Woman 84 was so long. You could have cut that entire scene out, even though it was really cool, visually neat and all that you could cut it all out in the movie as a whole, maybe would be better just because you're not watching as launches. <laughs> you're not watching as long of a movie, but like, I don't know. I just feel like this movie had a lot of problems. Yeah, and I didn't really like the the storyline they tried to like do with with uh, Krista Wick's cheetah character, like that. It didn't really have much interest to me, and it felt like that was kind of drawn out. They could have definitely taken like a portion of that that they added in there with the storylines. That just it kind of felt like it was just dragging, like it didn't need to be in there. And that's also what made the movie so long. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, I don't know, and I'm pretty sure. That I've read Maxwell Lord in the comics and and been entertained with him as a villain, but and I'm trying to remember. I think it was a Joshua Williamson run. I'm thinking that he was the villain in um, Justice League versus Suicide Squad in Rebirth. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure Maxwell Lord was the villain in that, and it was a pretty entertaining book. Oh yeah, but that that made sense because he was kind of like the mastermind. Wasn't he kind of like making them fight each other or something? Pretty much. I think he was trying to get to Amanda Waller for some reason. It's It's been years now since I read that one. Yeah. I remember I liked it, but yeah, I can't remember much from it now. I just remember there's a brilliant scene in that book 
where Amanda Waller's talking to the Justice League and everybody in the Suicide Squad. Because I think what happens is she has the Suicide Squad somehow capture the Justice League, and then maybe she even puts bombs in all their heads, too. Or some shit. But there's a scene where she's like, tells them all, like, you're all going to have to protect me. And then, like, there's, like, two panels of, like, all the Suicide Squad all laughing their asses off and all the Justice League laughing their asses off. And the way it was written and laid out on the page, it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember they did a lot when they did that rebirth. They sure did. I mean, that was... I mean, I went balls deep into DC with that. Like I was fully obsessed with all the rebirth stuff. And, and then it was like throughout kind of the course of that, I, I kind of burned out on DC a little bit and, and just kind of burned out on like those really, it's like, I like DC and I like Marvel. I really like independent books for what they're doing, but I tend to like the independent books a little bit more just because it's easier to wrap your head around. Like I, I remember saying in the, in the number one comics thread the other day that like part of, part of me is almost intimidated to dip my toes back into DC. Yeah. It's like how much fucking Googling am I going to have to do to figure out where these characters are at right now? Why are they doing what they're doing? You know, I mean, because depending on what book you pick up and who it's written by, it's like there's either they're either going to do a good job of catching you up and letting you know where they're at, or they're just going to dump you in cold. And yeah, and from yeah what some I, of them do that, and that's awful. Well, because Marvel, it seemed like it seemed like Marvel always does a really good job of having a page at the beginning of their book that not only catches you up on this character in general, but then also carry, catches you up on our story so far. I don't know if DC yeah. books do that anymore. If they do, I don't know, I, I then feel they like just start doing it again. Yeah, because I, so, I feel like sometimes, like, they'll have, like, a storyline, say, for, like, Green Air. I'm just throwing out an example, but they'll have a storyline for a character, and you'll have one writer on it for maybe the first 15, 20 issues, and then they change to a new artist, or a new writer, but it's like that writer is required to kind of continue the storyline that was presented in front of them, and they don't they don't even mention that like they're going to change anything like, or what's happened so far. They just kind of continue it. Yeah. And then that's where it gets confusing. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's part of it with me, but, um, man, I saw artwork on Twitter. Um, you know, the character, are you familiar with the character grifter? No. So he's a character that was, I'm pretty sure he originated in the wildcats universe that Jim Lee started in image. Okay. And then when Jim Lee moved, from image back to DC, he brought those characters with him and introduced them into the DC continuity. So you've got these wildcat characters like, like grifter who can now interact with DC characters. And if you watch the flashpoint paradox animated movie, Mm -hmm. like grifters got a little bit of scenes on that. He's the character that he's usually carrying two guns and he's got like a, a red, like almost curtain looking mask that hangs over his face. Okay, I, you describing him kind of sounds familiar from the movie, from the animated movie. Yeah, he's, he's like super badass guy, but um, he's almost little reminiscent of the Red Hood, which is pretty cool because I'm pretty sure in this new book that's coming out, he's like teamed up with the Red Hood in some sort of way, or like they're oh, on nice. a team together or something like that. And it's like, wow, that looks pretty cool. So yeah. I think whenever that comes out, I'll definitely have to look into that one. Uh, the new Suicide Squad book that's coming out looks pretty good. Um. 
uh, the new uh, the new Joker book that's coming out. That one looks pretty good too. So I mean, shit, I'll probably get fucking drugged back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they get like team ups of really great artisan stuff together to write to write a series or like come back for a new like an art or like a a character that hasn't been doing well, but then all of a sudden they get like. I don't know, Lemire and someone to team up for a certain character. And it's like, shit, now I got to read that again. <laughs> but no, it's going to be good probably. Yeah. 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 So, but I mean like DC did that whole like year of the villain thing. I don't think I read any of those books. Yeah, um, either did I. And then I think they're doing future state right now and future state's going to be wrapping up pretty soon maybe. And I didn't read any of those either. So I've, I've been off the DC train for a while, but. But some of those uh, upcoming titles do look pretty good. Um, have you read anything of the Marvel with the King in Black? Mm-mm, I haven't. What's that going to be about? So that's like the, I think it's like an event that's going on right now. I know I read the first issue of it, but um, King in Black is uh, Donnie Cates' book that is out right now that, um, do you remember in his Venom number one book? how we found out that there was like a, a God of the symbiotes and his name was null. Yes. Okay. So as you read those venom books, you find out that null is actually in like a, like a deep, deep sleep. And he's in the center of what looks like a planet, but it's not a planet. It's actually millions and millions of symbiotes that are all just like clustered around him, keeping him in this deep sleep. So that he doesn't wake up and start laying waste to the universe. Uh And in absolute carnage, some shit happens in the end of that where Eddie Brock accidentally wakes Null up. And so then Null wakes up. The entire planet of symbiotes is now his to control. And he basically turns them all into these big giant fucking dragon symbiotes. And they start screaming across the universe making a beeline towards Earth. And so then Eddie Brock's feeling pretty guilty about this for a while. And he eventually calls up the Avengers and is like, hey, there's shit's about to really hit the fan because I fucked up. And so King in Black is King in Black. Number one is when this invasion force hits the planet. Okay. Yeah. And um, cool. yeah. And, and so it is a, it is an event thing because I looked up a like a listing and it's almost, you know, remember when we had that listing for, um, uh, no, Dark Knight Metal. Dark Knight's Metal. And so it was like, oh, yeah. you got to read this issue of this, this, of this, and this. There was a whole bunch of shit like that with King and Black. And I was like, I'll read the core issues of this as they come <laughs> out. But I'm not reading everything. Fuck you, Marvel. I love you, Donny Cates. I'm going to read Donny Cates' books. <laughs> well, and that, was the, I, and that was the thing I remember about um, when Dark Knight Metal was coming out because you had that list of all the, like the core ones that were just like, there were six or so issues of dark Knight metal, but then you had two or three different tie-ins in that time in between each issue also. So it ends up being like a 20 issue kind of like storyline, at least in those ones, the tie-in issues from random other, other titles actually contributed to the main storyline. But I remember reading, I think secret empire, and some of the like tie-in stuff of Secret Empire with Marvel, like, was worthless. And there were so many tie-in issues that it just got annoying. Yeah, I felt the same way with Secret Empire. Um, Secret Empire, I was well, and like Dark Knight's Metal, I agree that a lot of those tie-in issues did help and bring in a lot of 
uh, extra info, but also just going back and reading Dark Knight's Metal all by itself, it also works pretty well that way. Yeah. And um, and I, I felt like Secret Empire, just reading it all by itself, worked that way. Like, I didn't read any of the tie-in books. And, God, in a way, I almost feel like the tie-in books are just a money grab. It's just a cash grab, you know? Because it's like, yeah. if, if it doesn't naturally fit into, you know, what you know, whatever author is doing on what other run, whatever run. And then all of a sudden Marvel's just saying, Hey, you know, for next month, you got to write an issue where this is happening. And it's like, well, that's kind of, yeah, it just throws everything off. And like when you're, if you're trying to, especially if you end up like going back and reading some of those in trades and all of a sudden they have like a random issue in the middle of a trade that just doesn't like really tie in, like yeah. go that story at all. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> you read it and you're like, what the fuck was this? I didn't need this in my life. <laughs> Nobody like, needed this. Confused, like, when is this coming back? Like, why did this get brought up? It's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I'll, I'll stick to the core books with King and Black. Um, and what I'll probably do is actually just do my normal thing that I've been doing lately and just wait till it comes out and trade. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's better sometimes, especially when they do those, like, events, because sometimes they do, like, a really cool um, type of trade paperback uh, cover or something for it instead. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know they did that with, um, I think some of the Nailbiter ones, they did, like, special hardbound editions that were different, that were different style covers or had different stuff in it than the normal trades. Oh, yeah, they got, like, the murder editions for Nailbiter. Yeah. Yeah, I bought the first one of that. But I think did it really... have like did it have like extra um like I know sometimes in comics they'll show like an artist doing some of the sketches and stuff oh, like yeah. drawing the characters. Yeah, it's I got that. that. It's got like the the script for the first issue. It's Yeah. Yeah, if if you're a huge Nailbiter fan or fan, you should definitely get that hardback like murder edition. Yeah. Um at some point in my life I'll I'll pick up volumes 2 and 3 so that I can have the entire you know, original run of Nailbiter all in hardback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool because I have the, I have the single issues of the first of them, and then some of the variant. Co- there's a there's a few. I think I think on the very first run of the of Nailbiter, I was able to get all the covers. There might be like some con, um, like special variant covers that I didn't couldn't get, but most of the actual covers they produced because most of them. It was just um, just A covers. A couple of them were A and B, but the majority was just one cover. But then there were certain issues where they would do like three or four, four covers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I picked up a bunch of variants too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I someday, at some point in my life, I have this dream of having my own room <laughs> where that's where my desk will be, where, where I podcast from, and I'll have bookshelves on the walls. And I'll be able to have all that shit up there, and for sure, there's going to be a shrine to Nailbiter. Yeah, <laughs> with all the all my individual issues that I painstakingly curated, you know, and all that shit. But ah, uh, I, mean, I, I can imagine though having like a really long running suit, like Walking Dead or something, having all the single issues to that. And if you collected the the variant covers that they if they did any over the years, which I'm sure they did, just how many they've done and how many actual issues that 193 would turn into oh geez probably closer to like 400 yeah yeah it gets silly fast yeah. <laughs> i mean if you had that though and you had all the first printings it'd be worth quite a bit of money yeah yeah that that's true did you see that there was like a 
uh, DC Comics number one or or some issue like that recently that sold for a few million. Yeah, it was like one of those bat. Was it a Batman issue? I think. I think it was. It was some sort of Batman it's comic, like a Batman detective or something. Yeah, it's it something from like the fifties, and it had like a nine point two. Um, rating or grading on it. And I was like, holy shit! How that thing's in really good shape. Yeah, especially for that long. Like that person that got it then literally must have just stored it and knew this is whoever finds this down the road is gonna get some money for it probably. Mm-hmm. That's like, cool. Because people, because people back then didn't really like think of comics that way. So even finding ones in in decent condition from that time period was hard, and that's why. <clears throat> some of those ones that are worth a ton of money you would think wouldn't be, be it's just because there's none left. Yeah. Yeah. No action comics. Number one is always one of those ones where that's like the, the dream to be like, um, oh, it's this garage sale and I'm flipping through this things. And then you like see it and it's like in there for a nickel. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? Do you just buy it and walk away? <laughs> I think it's that's the play, fault. right? <laughs> it's not my fault. They didn't do the research on comics and, Make sure they did. They didn't have any ones worth lots of money in there. That's on them. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> It'd be one thing if it was like they had a big box of comics, and then that one was in there, but you could tell like that one had special care taken to, taken to it compared to the others, like it's in its own frame or something, and they just mislabeled it. It'd be. It's another thing though, like if it's just in a big lump of loose comics or something where it wasn't being taken care of, you can just clearly tell that that person didn't know what they had. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you'd be like, uh, I'll give you 20 bucks for this whole box. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what else we got in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's where you notice it and you don't pull it out. You end up just deciding, all right, I'm just going to take the hit and buy this box. <laughs> so that way they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just get this off your hands. Uh, yeah, 20 bucks sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to break these down and use them to line my rabbit cages. <laughs> I mean, it'd be awesome if down the line some of these comics that I've collected, like one, <clears throat> I, I mean, I would imagine at best I might have one comic down the line that might be worth like, I don't know, 50 bucks or 100 at the best. But it'd be insane to imagine ever having a comic in, that I have right now 20 years or 30 years from now hitting that jackpot and being worth tons. Oh, no kidding, right? I don't care. I don't, I don't even know if I would care how much like sentiment I had for the comic. I would definitely sell it and then just buy it and like trade. <laughs> like, yeah, I could use that money, and I love the comic, so I can I can still get a pretty good version of it. <laughs> hmm. I know. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up eBay. I'm trying to see how much some of these issues are worth. <laughs> well, I, I remember at one time I saw on eBay. Now, honestly, anybody can post whatever list they want it to be, like the listing price they want it at. But I remember seeing someone on a buy it now listing for the complete um, single issue run of Walking Dead with first. I think they were all first printings too. Was like fifteen grand. I was like, holy shit. Hmm. Well, the let's see. I've got that one redneck gold foil, and right now you can't get it any cheaper on eBay than like thirty-five bucks. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. There's one that's actually graded. That's a nine point four, and it's going for a hundred and twenty for best offer. 
Yeah, that, and that's what sucks too. Is like, it, whenever you have one graded, honestly, obviously, it always like automatically inflates the price just because how much it costs to get them graded to begin with. Exactly, so <laughs> it's, it's an like, investment in itself, right? Yeah, so it's really like, I don't know how much they are now because I've never really even looked at it. I would really like have to know I have like a really rare comic or a comic that's gonna that is worth a lot of money, and I just want to get it graded so it's in that frame. And has like the proof of what it actually is graded at, so that way I could sell it down the road. Because I think it's like, it's almost like fifty or sixty bucks to have an issue graded. And then you got to take, you got to worry about shipping it out there, and it not getting damaged, and all that stuff. <laughs> so it's like, no thanks. <laughs> Might as well just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to text my wife something and accidentally texted you. (laughs) (laughs) This is really funny. All of a sudden I looked down, I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) That's not who I thought it was. (laughs) Well, now that like Amazon has their own delivery guys taking stuff out, I'll just like randomly get emails on my phone all the time saying your package has been delivered. And so I shot my wife a text real quick saying, hey, can you grab this? <laughs> it's on the front porch. <laughs> That's funny. <sighs> yeah, I don't even, um, was, um, let's see, shit. Yeah, I can't find a, even a full run anymore of The Walking Dead. It's always broken into segments on eBay. Wow. Yeah, I mean, They always just do like six issue runs or they'll do like ten issues because it was a storyline, and they'll, they'll break them up and sell them that way instead of just, like, as one full full run. Hmm. Yeah. I, I've, I've looked into, because I've got, um, gosh, I, I think I've got close to the first hundred issues of um, Joshua Williamson's run on The Flash. And so I've oh, looked damn. into those being like, oh, how much can I get selling a bunch of those? And it's, like, pretty good, but then also I worry about, like, Holy shit! How do you how do you ship that many comic books and and worry about them not getting damaged in shipping? And then, so it's almost one of those things where it's it's like I've entertained the idea, but I haven't. I don't know. I'm still worried about all the the loose ends with it. And then I feel the same way about buying, you know, mass issues of comic books like that. Like when I bought I bought a whole bunch of Paper Girls one time, and like uh, the the set I got of like the first 10 issues, like it got dropped. And so every single like corner is like, you know, oh, it's been fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. And so I sent the, the person's doing the auction. I sent them pictures of it and they refunded me the money and I like, keep all the books. It's okay. And so I'm like, I got all these issues that, you know, I mean, granted with paper girls, I bought them just because it's like, I love that, that series so much. I wanted them, but it would have mm-hmm. been nice to have ones in pristine condition the way that they were advertised, you know? Yeah, those were and those were cool comics because uh, I think usually like the last four of each of each story arc, the back covers of the comic would connect together, or they had like an extra page in the back of the comic that you would put together that created like a poster. Yeah, yep. I've seen the pictures online of the people who did it, and they're cool looking. Yeah, they make like vertical posters. Yep. Yeah. Did you um, read that last story arc of of Paper Girls when it came out? Yeah, I, I finished that series when it came out. Now I can't remember. I, I, I vaguely remember the way it ended, 
but because like, I mean that that was a wild story. Like, yeah, all the it had a really shit. beautiful ending. Yeah, it had a really good ending, which I remember. I really liked the way they tied it up and finished it. Yes. But, I mean, Brian, Brian K. Vaughn is an amazing writer, so I figured he would. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Brian K. Vaughn, man, I've been anxiously awaiting for Saga to come back. Has there been any word on when it's coming back? Nothing yet, but when issue 54 dropped, it they basically said, we're going on hiatus for a year minimum, maybe longer. You know, don't worry, we are coming back at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I, I got caught up on Saga. And then I remember reading that was that they, at the end of that issue, they noted that they're going to be taking a break for a while. But that was like, was that like early 2019 when that issue came out? Or is that like late 2018? God, it might've been 2018. It seems like it's been a long time ago. Yeah. Like it definitely, obviously last year, nothing was going to come out. God, that issue um, was then, so sad too. But then I feel like the end of, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like any came out in 2019 unless it was like really early on and they came back for like one story arc and that was like, yeah, because they came back with like issue, didn't they start with like issue 49 or something of a, on a story arc? Hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it might've been. I'm, I don't remember the particulars of, of which issue it was, but I just know it's, it's been on hiatus for a while and it needs to come back because where they left off is like, what the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's God damn. That's a good book though. I love everything about that book. It'll that, be, yeah. That's, that's one be, of those ones that'd be amazing to have. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where the characters are at when it comes back and, and where he's planning on taking them. And, and no matter what, I'm always down for Fiona Staples artwork. It's just, yeah, it's, it's so gorgeous. good. Yeah, that was one of those comics where I I didn't think at first I would like it. And then when I started reading it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is one of the best comics I've read. <laughs> well, it's it's cool because it's like there's so much of it that is, is relatable. Yeah. You know, because at its heart, it's a story about a family. It's, but it's just set, a, you know, it just has a fantastic setting in that, you know, it's this space opera and high fantasy and sci-fi all together. And it's... It's really something. Mm-hmm. And just the crazy shit that they come across throughout that comic because of the world that they're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or universe, I guess, technically. Yeah. And the, the no holds barred story. adult nature of, of lots of it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> mm, man, what a good. Yeah. I, um, um, I've kind of gotten back and started reading more novels again lately. What have you been reading? Um, Let's see. Um, well, I've been doing more writing. And okay. one of the components of missing out is when I used to write all the time, I used to read all the time also. And so it was weird. I almost felt out of balance, you know, just writing. And mm-hmm. then um, I was listening to, I think this is an older episode of Heroes of Noise, maybe. I jump around sometimes on podcasts I like and will just listen to, you know, random old episodes. And so I don't remember how old this episode was of Heroes of Noise, but I know it was definitely them because Steve was talking about reading a book called the um, what is War of Art, which is this really interesting short little book about how whenever you're pursuing creating art, like there's this mysterious force of resistance that will come into play in your life. 
and try and push you away from doing that art. And it was really the way he talked about it. I was like, wow, I can totally relate with that. And so I picked up that book and started reading it and it kind of galvanized that, you know, the, the process that I use for writing and stuff, it kind of galvanized it that it's just like, okay, you just need to do this more. And, and when you have anything that, that might be, you know, resistance as this book is terming it, now you clearly see that for what it is and you can push past it and actively do the thing you should be doing, which is fucking writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. so that's been really helpful. I read that. And then, um, um, so I picked up a book that I loved when I was in high school and it's a fantasy book by Raymond E. Feist called Silverthorn. I believe it came out in like the mid eighties. Might okay. have been released in like 84, mid-80s, somewhere in there. Um, it's a great fantasy book, though, and it's um, it's part of a series. Uh, Raymond E. Feist wrote a book called Magician that is really, really awesome, and Silverthorn is basically the sequel to Magician, where it's got a lot of the same characters from Magician. It takes place right after it in the timeline on this world and everything. Um, but it's this great story about this kid who's a thief that lives in this city, and he had previously made friends with this noble that had been hiding out in the city. And then this noble then goes on to then become like the prince of this city. And so as he's coming back to the city, there's an assassin waiting on this rooftop that's going to take him out. And this little, this boy thief, he's like 15 years old. The character's name is Jimmy the Hand. Jimmy foils this assassin attempt on the prince's life. And then goes to warn him of it. And in the course of it, finds out that this organization of thieves, the mockers that he's in, is, have been infiltrated by this guild of death. And and so he knows that it goes a lot deeper. And so he's got to go and warn the prince that people are trying to kill him. And then in the course of it, the mockers feel like that Jimmy betrayed them. So Arutha, the prince, has to barter for Jimmy's life and basically brings him into the nobility and makes him a squire. And so you got this kid that grew up on the streets and, you know, is like a professional thief. And now he's being told he can't be a thief anymore. No, now you're a squire. You have to learn to be a noble. And, oh, by the way, these assassins uh, that tried to kill the prince accidentally wounded his wife. She's poisoned. And now you all have to go on this big quest to find this mystical silver thorn plant that can cure the princess. And it's a rad fucking story. And... When I was in high school, I was so obsessed with Raymond E. Feist books, dude. Like, I, I clearly remember going to a party. One of the first parties I went to where there wasn't any parents there. There was lots of booze. And I sat down in a recliner chair and was reading a paperback of Silverthorn. And people were in there going, this is a party with beer. Why are you reading? And I'm like, just leave me alone and let me read my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've had such a history with, with Raymond E. Feist and these characters and... And so it's been really, really cool to to dip back into that and read something that I loved so much, you know, when I was a teenager. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool book, actually. Dude, I've I've read it so many times. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, even now, you know, it's probably been close to 20 years since I read it last. And I'll remember dialogue, like, verbatim and shit like that. And it's, it, it's cool how, how books like that, especially ones that, you know, you read during 
you know, formative periods of your life and stuff like that'll stick stick with you seemingly for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, this is great. I I know recently I recommended Dune to you, and you picked up the audiobook. What'd you think of that? Um, I actually haven't started listening to it yet because I picked it up while I, when I just started um listening to Ready Player Two. Oh, nice. And so at the time I was working from home when I picked it up. Um, but then I went, we went back into the office. So like when I was working at home, I really wasn't listening to podcasts very much, but then when I'm back at work, uh, in the office, I'll listen to them more. So like I was finishing up that audio book and I'm almost done with it. So then that was the next one I planned to start was Dune. Sweet dude. You really like Dune. It's good. Yeah. I heard when I heard, listen to your episode with Neil and you guys just talking about it and stuff, it sounded really cool. And I was like, I can't wait to get into the audio book on it. And hopefully I don't know who the, I can't remember who reads it, but um, at least hopefully it'll be like a voice that I like listening to and it doesn't like make me distracted or anything like that. Nice. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what's nice is um, Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. Will Wheaton does the um, audio book and he gets like super, he's super into that, the the culture of it anyways and that, those books. So like you can just tell the enthusiasm behind his voice when he's reading it. That's cool. Yeah, this, this new um, project that I'm working on I'm going to release it differently than the last one. I'm actually going to do it as a podcast series where I'll release a chapter a week. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. I just feel like that's the better way to, to actually get it in front of an audience. Cause it's, it's like, there's, there's so many people I've talked to with, you know, my last book, I become death and they're like, Oh yeah, I bought a copy. Oh yeah. I didn't read it. <laughs> I'm like, no, I get it. It's like, there's a lot of people who a don't have time to read or, or the inclination to sit and read a book. I get that. But what lots of people do these days is listen to them. So it's, yeah, you know, and, and, and that makes, that's a good, good way to come out, like do it weekly. So you get people coming back wanting to listen to it and not seeing like it turn into a, like, I know with some of the audio books that I've looked at getting, especially some Stephen King ones, I see it's like a 50 hour audio book and I'm like, Whoa, that's a lot. But if you, if you have it set up where it's coming out in like the weekly installments or whatever, and it's maybe an hour at a time or something, people are much more inclined to give that a chance. Cause it's only an hour that they got to listen. And then once they listen to the hour, they're probably invested at that point. They're just going to keep coming back that week, each week to keep getting more of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it you know, it did definitely end up being less than an hour. I mean that, yeah. that one I did, uh, I read the first chapter of I become death as a bonus episode of Starcast, you know, years back. And I think that ended up being about a half hour long. And there was, you know, accompanying dialogue or, you know, accompanying stuff, you know, before and after the reading. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of a long chapter too. That first chapter I become death is I think seven pages. Cause when I originally wrote that, it was, it was meant to just be a short story. That was just the first chapter. Yeah. But enough people read it and was like, well, then what? And I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and finish like doing that. I I have the first half of that all read and edited out. And obviously the first chapter is good to go I, since I did that for this. But chapters mm-hmm. two, three, four, and five are all recorded. But I got to go through and edit out all the stumbles and shit. It was funny as I was listening to a Heroes of Noise episode a while back and, and Dan had said something about how he wants to get into editing stuff like that. And so I was like, here you go. <laughs> he probably <laughs> took one listen to those files where it's like me reading and then I fuck something up. And for sure there's lots of 
instances of me reading and go, oh, Jesus. What the fuck, Joe? <laughs> like, how, how can you not just fucking just read out loud? Yeah, it's probably got a lot of self-berating in it. <laughs> so Dan's probably like, yeah, Joe's insane. <laughs> because when I recorded him, I was like, you're the only one that's going to do that. You're the only one that's ever going to hear this. <laughs> but, I mean, otherwise, it's like I've been so inspired and, like, you know, writing this other one that it's like I know – I should get that other thing done and released, you know, because people have asked for it. And what's funny is like something came up on Facebook where it had me, I had made a post about recording those. And I think it was two years old. <laughs> so I recorded yeah, like, like two what years you did ago. on this date. <laughs> uh, and so Facebook is reminding me that the resistance is great with that project. <laughs> Fuck. But it's like, I've been working on this other one. Like the, the new thing I'm writing right now is called, it's a project called the unscarred and i've been working on that for years and years and years man like like i came up with the the core group of characters for this in like the early 2000s jeez so i mean it's been a long time it's been like what was funny is that i was working on that project when i got distracted and wrote i become death <laughs> now you're circling back to it yes <laughs> well and then i got distracted by rock climbing for almost a decade and didn't write anything yeah so, yeah, it's, I, I feel like I'm, I'm circling back to the thing that is what I really want to do with my life, which is I love writing and I, I, I like, I like telling stories and, and people seem to like my voice for some reason, which is something I've just come to accept <laughs> with doing a podcast. So it just seems like it would be the perfect thing to do is to release it that way. And I'll just do it as a separate feed and, and, and hopefully, hopefully it works because it would be a dream come true. Mm -hmm. To be able to, you know, make a living as, as a writer. Yeah. That'd be a really awesome way to be able to like, you'd be like independently making your money that way instead of having to work for somebody to make your money. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much so. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, so like 2020, man, <laughs> like it, it yeah, seems it, like so much of it, you know, we didn't like. What, like what all's what all's going on when, with Rod now? I mean, I know that you know you kind of got a significant other now that you're serious with and you're cohabitating and. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, after we saw you guys at C2E2, and then literally the country, sh the world, sh pretty much shutting down like a week after, and everything closing up. I started um, like we started working from home. At least I did, um, and then she was unemployed for a while but she was she's self-employed uh so like her, her the company she's a dog groomer so she just basically had to get unemployment for that time period while she wasn't able to work and then once they allowed the dog grooming companies to open back up and stuff then she went back to work um but basically i mean we couldn't do anything it was crazy so i mean we were just in our apartment pretty much i'd work upstairs in our one room and then you just kind of would go downstairs when the day's over and that was start watching TV or doing whatever. I mean, we couldn't go anywhere really. So yeah, we, we were already in the process of like thinking about, um, getting a house. So then I had actually got pre, I got pre-approved right before stuff started shutting down and everything. And it la it was good for however many days. Um, so during that time frame, actually it's like when we started house hunting and we ended up finding a house. So then over the summer we moved into the house and then, 
basically from the summer till now, it's just kind of been getting the place the way we want it set up in some of the rooms or figuring out like how, what we ultimately like want to do with a certain room and just getting that furniture. Like it took us forever to get a couch. Oh yeah. It's like, Uh, like you guys um, ordered it and they said, Oh yeah, it'll be a few weeks and it ended up being much longer. It was, so we, we closed on my, on the house and like the beginning of June, like maybe like, I think it was June 12th or something like that. Um, so we ordered, she ordered a couch that she saw had just came back in stock or something or uh, it was out of stock and then it went to like back order or back where you could order it again. And so she just ordered it and it was like sometime in May or something mm-hmm. when she ordered it at the very end of May and it said it would t- it would be like beginning of July. So a little over a month um, when they said it was going to be there. So we were like, okay. And then about a month or two, two weeks or something, two or three weeks before it was supposed to get delivered. We get like, she gets an email saying it's going to be another month. And so then that puts it at the beginning of August. And then days before or the day before she was on the website or something, checking something and talked to one of the customer service people like through that chat on the websites. And they said it was still confirmed to be uh, delivered the next day. And then we got another email literally hours later saying it was going to be like another three weeks. <laughs> and so at this point, we're like without a couch in our family, like our family room area for the first two and a half months of living there. So we basically were either upstairs in our bedroom or downstairs in our where our other couch was in the basement. And so like we weren't really using our main level of the house hardly at all because we didn't have anywhere to sit. <laughs> so, and then we ultimately just ended up uh, canceling that order and ordering through some other company. And it still took like another month, but at least they actually got it to us. Cause I, my worry was that, that we were just going to get it, keep getting pushed back every time they'd say it's going to be here this date, we'd get it pushed back to another date. So we finally got that. Um, but pretty much it's just kind of been, we were working, I was working from home for a while. Then we went back to the office in the, like the summer, and we're back there and then we came back and started working from home again for like a little over a month right around thanksgiving um and i w- went back at the beginning of the year i know you've you've been working from home right yeah yep um i uh and i pretty much told my boss that i was like i don't want to go back to the office and so she told me that i don't have to and so i've been cleared to work from home indefinitely nice <clears throat> And I am really thrilled about that because, well, the type of job that I do, it's like I, I just need to be in front of a computer and be able to have a phone that I can take calls on. Yep. Like I, I don't, it, there's literally no difference in me doing it in an office, you know, at, you know, at the office or, or doing it from home. There's, there's no difference mm-hmm. because the office I worked at was a satellite office anyway. So it doesn't like I was around the people I was, you know, working with anyway. And, and with, you know, the way that, that, that Skype communicating and stuff like that has been, you know, really normalized throughout 2020, it's like, I can still do my job, the aspect of my job where I have to help coworkers and stuff. It's, it, it's, it's really no different. Yeah. Like for us working from home really wasn't much different than working in the office. The only thing is like some of our software would run faster or a lot faster in the office compared to at home. Um, but other than that, like I felt like I was just as productive working from home as I was going into the office, and it was nice not 
like that commute in the mornings. Yeah. Just being able to wake up and be in your sweatpants and work work on your computer. <laughs> for it's, it's nice. I know. I've been living that track pants life st- lifestyle for for quite a while now, and I don't think there's any going <laughs> it's back. Like, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, oh, I, I can set my alarm and wake up, and ten minutes later be uh be working, and not have to worry about getting up and getting dressed and. <laughs> ready for that drive and wondering what the weather's like outside yeah well, what's funny is that like i've i find that i get up the earliest in my life that i've ever gotten up on like a regular basis now like i'm always up somewhere between four and five now damn it's crazy and so it's like and as such that i'm tired as shit by nine so if mm-hmm. i if i make it up till 10 it's amazing i'm usually in bed usually eight thirty nine o'clock it's actually pretty sad but <laughs> but then i get up so early in the morning and the house is just quiet. I have it all to myself. It's kind of dark. I make coffee. I put on headphones. I, I listen to some, you know, some music and just sit. And it's like really prime writing hours mm-hmm. early like that. And so it's like I've just been taking advantage. And <clears throat> in writing a fantasy story, it's super fun. Because some mornings my writing is just drinking coffee, putting on music, and just sitting in basically just daydreaming about this place and it's like when you write the characters every day it's like they're not characters on the page so much it's almost like a line gets blurred and it's like these are real characters and like you're visiting their world you know it's it's weird Mm -hmm. yeah you're just getting really enveloped into that into that story and then it turns into a time warp because you know like you'll then look at the clock and be like holy shit it's been an hour (laughs) and then it's Mm -hmm. like okay now it's time to pull out the notes and in, you know, jot down all this stuff that you've come up with. But yeah, man, it's, it's been great. It's been really great. Yeah. I wish, I wish we could keep working from home, but sometimes it gets real frustrating with some, sometimes how slow some of the, like the software would work. So it was, that was a nice benefit of being back in the office. Something that takes, 10 seconds of the office was taking like three or four minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since I never worked in our main office, I was, you know, working off of servers and stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. So I didn't notice any slowdown at all in between working in the office or working at home on a VPN. There's like no difference in speed for me. And it's like, well, if I'm at home, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm in a, I don't know. I, I just felt like working from home was far less stressful. There was less distractions here. And yeah. yeah, and and I just you know, it's just so much better. It's I I really feel for all the people that got totally boned over in 2020 when it comes to work and stuff. But like work was actually, aside from it being some of the most stressful stuff, because 2020 I definitely had periods where I was the most stressed out I'd ever been in my life. But but I feel like that's really settled down, and I've just kind of come to a better place with it. And it probably also helps that now. Since I'm writing, I'm curious how much of the depression and stuff I was feeling was part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of like how 2020 was for a lot of people with them losing their jobs and people losing their lives and stuff. Thankfully, it didn't like work wise. It didn't really impact me. And I was able to work from home and didn't have to worry about just having months on end where I wasn't able to do anything. Yeah. I feel like I would have probably gotten nuts. Like I already 
was frustrated enough just not being able to do something as simple as just like going to the gym for like four months just because they had to keep it closed was like this is i just want to go out and do something sometimes i just want to go out and get in my car and just drive around yeah yeah that makes sense we when it was nicer out we were taking the boys out and going hiking in places almost every week Mm -hmm. or every weekend and we started having to get real creative with the places we were going because then it was like other people you know, these places where you'd go and you wouldn't see anybody, now you're pulling in and all of a sudden it's a jam-packed parking lot. Yeah, everyone's there now. Yeah, and so then we were like, okay, no more posting on social media where we're going hiking. <laughs> <laughs> or when we go places, it's like we can't stay on the trail. Mm-hmm. It's like we're pretty much just going to have to immediately veer off the trail and just go into the woods where we're not going to see people. Yeah, and try to yeah, not cross paths with anyone. Not just because of the virus, but also because. Yeah, because I just don't like people. <laughs> we were living that quarantine lifestyle far before 2020. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I usually stayed in. Like, we usually stay in most of the time anyways. But it's just like now that we don't have that option. And if we do decide, like, now that we even kind of have that option, now it's like all that paranoia around it. Where it's like, if I go out, now I got to be kind of worrying if uh, I go and have anybody like if anybody ever else wants to be around us now we got to kind of wait a little while yeah yeah no it's it's no just far easier just to not go do anything yeah yeah i mean man what a i mean could a worse thing really hit a social species because it's just so so opposite from where the way that most people are programmed is that you can tell people hey it's in your best interest stay home self-isolate don't do things okay but i still need to do x y and z it's like "Mm, no no well it's against my nature i know (laughs) that's what makes this tough yeah and it's one of those things too where even though a lot of people had contracted it and ended up dying from it and stuff because it's not that like crazy virus where it's like 95% of people who get it die. It's not freaking out enough people to think that there's like the harm of it. They'll, they still kind of think they're invincible <laughs> and, yeah. or they just want to be stubborn as shit and not listen to anybody and feel like putting on a mask is such an infringement on their, their freedom. Yeah, that's about the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like it always, yeah. it always drives me nuts. The ugh. and the fact that it's coming from the crowd of the you know, like I want to carry this gun to save people's lives. <laughs> like, what you? We want you to wear this mask so it'll save people's lives. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's not about it's not about saving lives, is it? You're carrying a gun just because you want to shoot somebody because you're a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of people like that when I was into guns, man. So. People want to tell me that those people aren't don't exist. Like you're out of your fucking minds, dude. Yeah, there's there's always the ex- anything that you can stumble across in life. There's always going to be the extreme people in all of those scenarios. Yep, and like I've like if one lesson I've learned in 40 years of life is that when you run into the extremes, fucking stay away. Mm-hmm. Get get away from the extremes. Like don't don't make the extreme your thing. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and depending on depending on what it is that the person's the extreme into, it can be a quite a quite a crazy scenario. Well, yeah, and it, I feel like I've always had like 
I don't know if it's addictive personality or, or what it is, but it's like, I can't just like tangentially get into something. Like mm-hmm. I, I need to get into it all the way, <laughs> you know, I, it's like, there's like a certain mania that takes place once I get into something. Like I, I remember after the flood in 2008, like I, I grew up around guns insofar as that my dad's a hunter. So I, I grew up shooting rifles and shotguns and stuff as soon as I was old enough to, to hold them. Mm-hmm. And dad never had handguns. So I was never around anything like that. Um, and then after that flood in 2008 and we moved back in and there, most of the houses around us were still, you know, under reconstruction. And there was all these stories going on of houses being broken into and for, you know, people trying to steal construction tools and stuff. And it was yeah. pretty eerie being in town at night, you know, I mean, cause there wasn't power onto a lot of the city or a lot of the town. And so it was super dark, really, really quiet, yeah. you know, other than the hum of generators in the distance and stuff. And then, you know, stories of people being robbed and shit like that. So, so we got, you know, started learning more about guns, bought a handgun and it should have stopped at, you learn how to shoot a gun, get proficient with it, and then just keep it in the safe. But no, it, it got up to the point where I was obsessing over guns. <laughs> I had, <laughs> I had subscriptions to magazines and I would read up on different guns and obsess over different models I wanted um, I had a, a ammo reloader out in my garage and I'd sit out there and reload ammunition. <laughs> like it was, it went too far, Rod, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's how, um, my girlfriend's brother-in-law, he's, he's pretty big into guns and stuff. And I've noticed that, I don't know if it's, if that's how most, how, if how most people that are into the hobby of guns are like him, where it's like, he he oftentimes will have a gun for a little while and then he either trades that gun to somebody for another gun that he wants or like just sells it and stuff. But I always, it it almost seems like he, he wants a gun so then he can say that he shot that gun and then he's kind of over it. (laughs) So like some gun, some guns he just has because he hunts and stuff like that. But then there's other ones that he specifically like will spend the money for to get, shoot it like a handful of times, maybe like go take it to the range a few times and then either hold on to it for a bit until he like finds another gun that he wants to trade. That's kind of similar in value or he just goes and sells it. See, and that's where it turned into a depressing hobby for me is because I would just like look at all these like different handguns and stuff that I wanted, but they're so fucking expensive. They're so expensive. And then if you want thousands thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then if you want to enjoy it, that means you've got to first locate ammunition, then go buy ammunition, then go drive to a gun range. And then in a relatively short amount of time, you can blow through that ammo. Mm -hmm. And then what? (laughs) You know? So, I mean, it's just in the end, it turned into a depressing, expensive hobby. And so, like, I found rock climbing at just the right time to extricate myself from that expensive hobby. But, like, while I was there, Man, I saw some real fucking loons. And, you know, any group is going to have extremists. But, man, the people in the gun community that are, like, super extremist into guns are, I mean, number one, it's obvious why they're frightening. They, they're well-armed. But but it's also, it's like, dude, everybody needs to have a hobby. And I think some people just need to get better hobbies. Because obsessing yeah. over that stuff, like, like I remember... That community, like, when I was in it, they were all, that was when Obama was president, 
And so like a lot of like that stuff you'd read, like there was people like, they're going to put serial numbers on ammunition. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, there's how the fuck are they going to put serial numbers on every single bullet? Like, are you out of your mind? They spent eight years talking about Obama's going to take your guns. It was like, dude, he even had like the, the, the full majority where he had, he had both houses of Congress. He had the presidency, no guns were taken away. (laughs) I don't, I, I don't get it, man. But, Hey, tangentially to that, did you see that the NRA has filed for bankruptcy and they're tra- they're wanting to move from based as a headquarters in New York to Texas? Are they really? Yes. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. And there's somebody else that's suing them, saying that they've improperly used uh, member donations, and so part of this bankruptcy is them trying to sweep that under the rug. Oh yeah, but like part of but part of that other lawsuit is saying that the guy who's like the the president of the NRA has spent like millions of dollars on like trips to Europe, and um, spent over a quarter million dollars on suits in Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's like Jesus, what, what the fuck, man? <laughs> These people get fucking lots of money and they just start balling out of control and acting nuts. Yeah, they're just like, fuck, I can get away with it. No big deal. It's like the most ridiculous shit. Yeah. Well, and also it's like how hard of a time, I mean, you're, especially with the NRA, you're talking about these people that, that are already like practically foaming at the mouth in support of like what they're super into. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and now you're going to try and make them believe that, Hey, your leader's a piece of shit. Hey, guess what? I can think of a serious, a similar scenario that involves a lot of these same people where we were trying to convince them that their leader's a piece of shit and it totally didn't work out. Yeah. It didn't go so well. (laughs) I feel like a, there's a very there's probably a portion of those people that overlap if you were to draw the the Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> there would be a section of both of those groups that are that are part of one and the same. I think you're right. <laughs> oh, that's too good. <laughs> oh shit! I gotta try and get out of the habit of talking politics on these shows. <laughs> It's kind of like that algorithm for social media where it's going to show you what you click on, whether you click on the things you love or you click on the things you hate. It's going to show you more of that. It definitely gets annoying sometimes when you just start when like you just for like a minute, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, you kind of just intrigued by like a product. So you start like searching the Internet, just like kind of like research about it. And then for like a week, you just get nothing but ads for this thing or just (laughs) so annoying. It's like, I just wanted to see what it was. I don't really care anymore about it. (laughs) My favorite was um, one time I was out in the garage and I swear to God, I saw a rat. Now, I didn't actually physically see it where I could look at it and be like, that was a rat. But I saw something that looked like a very big shadow. And so it looked like it obviously had to be larger than a mouse. So my next logical conclusion is. There's fucking rats in my garage. And so, dude, have you ever seen a rat trap versus a mouse trap? No. Okay, so you know how a mouse trap it's on like a tiny little little tiny little board yep. with a little paperclip spring. So imagine that, but now you've just hit it with one of those discs that Ant-Man carries that makes things proportionately huge. And now the little <laughs> board that it's sitting on is now a half inch to three quarters inch thick and it's big like the size of a VCR tape. <laughs> And the oh, wire yeah. that's on it is like three times the thickness of a coat hanger. Like if this thing snaps <laughs> so on your finger. Deep sea fishing. Yes. <laughs> it's like that type of lure. 
so so i buy two of these rat traps well i look them up online first and so this is what reminds me of is then for like a month afterwards all the ads on my phone were for mouse poison mouse traps (laughs) but dude get this so i get four of the little mouse traps and two of the big rat traps and so i got them set up all over the place and then i go in my garage one day and i'm like you can just smell Something has died in here. Right? Yeah, I smell death. <laughs> I smell death. <laughs> and so then, like, you know, weeks go by. I don't find the smell. I, I've checked all the traps that I can see. But since I laid the traps out, I've also gone and, like, kind of moved things around in the garage. So there's just certain places that I can't really see mm-hmm. where the trap's at. And so I assume that there's a dead mouse in, in one of those, right? And so when I finally get around and do some cleaning in my garage and I can see where that trap is, there was a dead mouse whose feet got trapped in like a regular size mouse trap, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it was to crawled along with its front legs, dragging oh. that trap behind it. And then it must have been like, oh, more peanut butter. That peanut butter was on a rat trap. Oh. So when I found this dead mouse, like it, had a, it had a small mouse trap on its feet. That, and then it was clean snapped in half by a rat trap. Oh, and so then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna get these things out of my garage. Either that, or yeah. next time, like really remember where I put these things because that yeah. was freaking gross. <laughs> that mouse did not go out well. No, no, he <laughs> at least at least when it hit the second trap, it wasn't like it it lived through that one. That one, it definitely was done. Yeah, that one, it was done so like instantaneously. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it was doing. It's like, oh, this bigger one's definitely gonna kill me. But I have to use traps. I, I do not want to set out poison because, like, I, yeah. I have very strong feelings about not poisoning nuisance animals because then you're going to unintentionally introduce poison into the local food chain. Yeah. And and before you know it, you're accidentally killing a fucking bald eagle because it's eating a coyote that was poisoned by a fucking, you know, mouse or something that, or a possum that, you know, ate poison or not a possum. What are those annoying little cunts that live in the ground? Mol- uh, moles and gophers those little yeah, fuckers gophers <laughs> dude have you seen what those windmills you can buy that supposedly the windmill makes some rattling sound it keeps them out of your yard it keeps what uh, with groundhogs out of your yard uh like gophers and uh, pocket oh. gophers and moles is what it's supposed to drive away oh no i've never seen that. that's pretty cool yeah I guess. If, I guess if you had that if you have that issue that'd be that's a neat like little way to like get them out, out of there. Well, dude, I had them so bad in my yard that I would be pushing my mower. And, like, do you remember in Tremors when, like, the cars would just, like, drop down and then be hung up on the frame because mm-hmm. the, the Tremors dug tunnels under the car? That's what was happening to my mower. Oh, <laughs> Where I'd be mowing and all of a sudden I'd hit this just warren of, tr- of nests and it, the mower would just drop down. And it'd just be oh. stuck in the dirt. And I'm like, what in the fuck? I'm so, so pissed. Oh, and so then it got to the point where before I'd mow, I'd have to go walk around my yard and find these things. And then just, like, walk back and forth, like, collapsing all the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And so my neighbors saw me doing that one day. And I was talking with them about it. And they pointed out the little windmill thing that they have. And so you're supposed to get, like, an eight-foot-long steel rod, drive that down into the ground. And then the wind, the windmill just sits on top of that. And then when it spins, it makes some rattling sound that then travels. The vibrations travel down that steel, uh, steel, um, you know, stake, and then reverberate out into the ground. And so I put it in. I ordered one, put it in, and almost immediately, all the the moles and everything left my yard. 
which was great. Yeah, that's awesome. So then I tell my dad about it. He buys one, and then he's sending me pictures of the the brand new mole tunnels that are literally right next to the post. And he's like, "This fucking windmill doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> it attracted him, and so I'm like, "It's fucking works great for me." But then fast forward to the fall, and then I have fucking tunnels all over my yard again. Only this time they've like burrowed up to where they like hit the edge of my. I have an above ground pool like a 16 foot one in my backyard, like a little soft side ones you can get at Menards. Yeah. And, um, they hit that and then started just tunneling all the way around my pool. And so I'm like walking it down, walking it down, walk them all around. And then I had to, I was getting ready to start winterizing the pool. And so I had to take about, you know, like eight to 10 inches of water out. And so I got a, um, a siphon pump going for that. And then, uh, right where it was draining out, it was hitting where I'd stomped down all those mole holes. And so at one point when I went back to check the water level, a little bit of mo- uh, movement out of the corner of my eye. And I looked down and there's a mole crawling its way out of all like it's flooded tunnel. And so I'm like, what the fuck? And so I run over to my wood pile and grab a fucking log and just beat this beat poor it. little fucking thing to death. <laughs> Uh, and then picked it up with the the dog pooper scooper, <laughs> put it in a trash bag, and threw it away. Yeah. And I was like, "Fuck, the windmill didn't work. I'm not going to poison it." So now, in the future, when I have them, I'm going to flood the little fuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and get them out of there. That that probably is like your only way at that point. Oh God, I'm not a violent person, but when I saw that thing, man, I was fucking. Especially, I, it's, I can't even describe the level like... of revulsion I felt when I saw that thing, dude. It's so gross. Yeah. And it's one thing to have just like rodents and stuff like that come across your yard it's another thing when you have ones that constantly are there and then fucking it up when they start fucking your yard up that's when it's like all right yeah i don't care how cute you are you're gonna get (laughs) fucked you're gonna get either kicked out of this area or i'm gonna make an example out of one of you and see see if you guys all leave so you're saying i should have taken that one instead of throwing him away i should have maybe nailed him to the fence as a warning to the others (laughs) Well, they can't see. That's the problem. Moles can't see, right? <laughs> so I don't know what I don't know what you do in that scenario for a mole. Do I put a fucking sign up in Braille for him? <laughs> what if you just made like a little pike? <laughs> you just had it open up and flush water out and see if more of the moles run out. He catches me decapitating a mole in the air. What are you doing? It's like it's about sending a message. Now, where where are the shish kebab skewers? I need one. <laughs> Plant that in the ground. Just, put its little head on up, top. You just set up like a, a boundary of where the moles are allowed to cross and that in those pikes <laughs> are the boundary line. It's like getting medieval on them. <laughs> I am their Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> oh, God. There's some people who really don't like this conversation right now. <laughs> well, what's ridiculous around here is, like, I don't, thankfully, I don't have that issue. But our neighborhood, people here decide that it's a great idea to just put cat food and bowls of water out on their front porch for cats that aren't theirs uh... or anybody's. So we have, like, there's I think there's, like, four or five. And there might not be that many. I think there's at least three that I've seen. Um, just stray cats that kind of like stay around these handful of houses right around where I am. 
and I've noticed that there's like four houses on our street that have just like on their front porch that's open. They just put cat food out there and none of these cats have collars or anything. So it's like, you're just kind of keeping them around at this point. Do you know what community hates the feral cats the most? Mm -mm. Bird watchers. Oh yeah. That makes perfect sense. Feral cats kill an astonishing amount of songbirds every year. Yeah. They're probably amazing hunters. They are. They're like some of the, like, as far as like the domesticated animals go, I remember a long time ago watching a, um, a two hour documentary called life after, or I think it was life after people. They ended up turning it into a series also, but the original was like a two hour long documentary. And I'm pretty sure that they said that basically if humans suddenly disappeared and like, you know, if, if the dogs and cats were able to get outside and start running around, dogs aren't going to be doing too well. Like our domesticated dogs are largely going to die out, but yeah. cats are going to do just fine. Yeah, because even most domesticated cats, unless like, unless they're ones that you've got to claw or something like that, and they're not going to be able to survive on their own out in the, on the wilderness. I mean, a normal house cat, even like you see them, they have, they still have that in their DNA. They know how to hunt, and depending on what scenario that a cat, a domesticated cat, would get out into, I mean, they could easily adjust to it pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. As long as they're not declawed, they're going to do just fine. Yeah. Like, um, that that scenario with people, you know, feeding strays is mm -hmm. pretty much how we got our one cat, Jack, is because my mom and dad would put food out and feed the neighborhood <laughs> strays. <laughs> and, and my mom texted me one day, and she's like, she's like, there's these long-haired white kittens here with bright blue eyes, and I'm like, Okay, yeah, I'm coming and getting one of those. Yeah, it'd be one thing if these were all kittens or something, but it's just like normal full-size cats at this point. Yeah. So every once in a while, you'll see them like up on fences of other people's yards and stuff. But they always they always kind of migrate back to the same couple houses because they know that's where food is. Yeah, yep, makes sense. Yeah, I I love cats, but at some point, you know, things have to be done to to curtail you know, the feral cat populations and stuff like that. Like the people that, that'll go out and make like, you know, set up the humane traps and then take them to places where, you know, they're, they're shelters that, they that don't kill animals. They'll just do, you know, they'll, they'll either spay them or, or neuter them mm -hmm. and then put them back out where I don't like is where they do that. And then they like dock one of the ears. So then people uh, can tell, Oh, that's a feral cat. That's, that's been, you know, spayed or neutered. Mm -hmm. I, I understand why they're doing that but i also think that that's you can argue that spaying and neutering is mutilating an animal but it's like it serves a purpose and yeah docking its ear also serves a purpose but there's definitely know. other ways <clears throat> there's other things that they probably could do to track it instead of just clipping an ear yeah yeah i don't know it just it seems kind of fucked up but well then that's <laughs> the other thing that like sucks is like because these cats just kind of wander throughout the neighborhood i mean if there is that scenario where like what God, for some reason I hit one, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell anyone. Cause I really don't know. Like they I think it's a stray, but I mean, it could have been one of these people's cats or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they just like, cause I know there's are some people that just like some people like to have just an outdoor dog. Some people just have outdoor cats and they, they just don't feel like putting a collar on them. They like, but they take care of them. So if yeah. one of them did die, I don't know if I would like, 
I probably would at least like say, I don't know if this is one of yours, but this happened just so you know. Yeah. I think it can be dangerous to put a, a collar on an outdoor cat also. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I, why... when I was a kid, we had indoor outdoor cats and almost every single one of them, either it happened that one day the cat went out and he just never came home. Or we had a couple of them that actually did get hit in the road in front of the house. Mm-hmm. And so when we decided to have cats, we made a decision of these are going to be indoor cats only. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I don't want to have to go through that. I mean, I, I love my cats. I don't, you know, they, I mean, when I see them sitting and staring outside, it's like my one cat, I don't know if he'd even want to go outside, but the other one, he's a, he's a fucking nut bar, man. I, I worry he'd go out and immediately <laughs> run up a tree or immediately get run over right in front of my house or something. It's like, I don't want to see that happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Our cat growing up was a, we had an indoor outdoor cat. Um, but she was one of those cats where you could just let her outside for hours and then she would just come back to the, the door, the screen door when she wants to come in. Yeah. Yeah. That was what our cats did when I was growing up. Yeah, and then, I mean, every once in a while, I mean, she would, cause cats like to show you that they've, they've caught something. <laughs> I remember a time she, we had a, we also growing up had a Lhasa Apso. And so you have a, a small dog and then this cat brings, it appears to be a dead chipmunk to the, the door <laughs> and sets it down and we open the screen door um, for the cat to come in and next thing you know this little chipmunk starts running in our house. Oh no! The, the dog and the cat start chasing it. <laughs> and we're trying to like figure out a way to like funnel this chipmunk back out the door. <laughs> like furniture and shit like that and then we have to try to catch the dog and put the dog in one room and then try to get the cat out of there too. Because they just keep going after it, chasing it, thinking it's a goddamn game. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> she did that once with a bird, uh, but we had a we had a screened-in porch, and thankfully, when she did it with the bird, it just like flew in and got it was just in there for a little bit. And then finally, we just had to leave the doors open to the the porch for a while until the birds figured out a way to fly out. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. But I mean, that cat's definitely. I know that cat killed a few birds in its day for sure i know it killed a cardinal once yeah no i i remember our our cats bringing home dead mouses and stuff you'd just find them on the stoop outside the door yeah, just, I think what the fuck is this bro <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah right <laughs> what do you want me to do with it now <laughs> i always love how intrigued cats are and some dogs by laser pointers Oh yeah, my cats love that shit. It's so funny. It's such a simple thing, and they just get so worked up by it. It's like, what's this dot? Where'd it come from? The other one that we found almost by accident was, you know, you can get those cheap like Mardi Gras type beads. Uh huh. Whereas if you take one of those and like cut it in half, so now it's like a long string of beads. Yeah. And then trail that along a floor, especially if you have a wood floor where the like those beads will click against the wood. Mm-hmm. Dude, my noise. cats go nuts. <laughs> like scary nuts <laughs> like, like they, they will jump up and rip them out of your hand <laughs> Jeez. it's like crack for them yes yeah it's it is wild man <laughs> the, the other thing that's funny with cats is their obsession with boxes and like wrapping paper and shit yeah just like the stuff that they want to get into <laughs> is like okay it's like you gotta have like a little kid kid mind sometimes like oh i like this little box i'll play with this for a while <laughs> i know almost every time i get something from amazon i almost like 
compelled to like leave the box on the floor in the middle of the living room just because I know Thor is going to a long enough time scale. Thor is going to be in that box. Whether he fits in it or not. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, cats yeah. are cats are one of those animals though too that like, even though they're they're strong as shit because our cat I mean she knew I don't know how she knew but every time she had to go to the vet she knew and she would get under the bed and you would go to reach under that bed to pull her out and she would claw the shit out of you yeah yeah I've, the last time that I had to take Thor into the vet was when he got uh, neutered and. Since they're indoor cats and everything, I've kind of made up my mind. It's like, I don't think I'm just, I don't think I'm ever going to take them to the vet again. Yeah. Like, unless they're like really sick or something like that. But it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and like give them like regulars rabies shots and shit like that. Cause it's like, they're not, they're not outdoor cats. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. And you're not like going to have them around a lot of other animals and stuff. Anyways. Exactly. They're, they're, they won't ever be around any other animals really. Yeah. And, and I know there's probably people out there that would argue that with me, but. And like I, I think that the people that that are willing to, you know, put two thousand dollars down on a vet bill and stuff like that, I think it's really noble and it's really moving, you know, how much you love your animal mm-hmm. that you're willing to do that. But I don't know if I'd ever be able to do that. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I've, on the I've scenario had that. Too. I've had that moment before where I really thought about it, and it kind of happened with our last dog, where she was quite old, and one of her problems was she had a whole bunch of teeth that needed to be removed. And it was like, well, that's going to be really expensive. They can't guarantee that she's going to come out of the anesthesia okay. Yeah, they don't like to put dogs that old under if they yeah. don't need to. And then also there's there's no guarantee that that some other string of things won't happen after the fact. And then, like, you know, I took her to the vet again not too long after that because she wasn't really eating much. And they were like, well, okay, well, it could be this or this or this. I mean, and she wouldn't she wouldn't even drink, you know, like chicken or beef broth. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, I think this is just it. Well, we can run this test and this test and this test, and it'll be this much. And I'm like, like I, I'm, I can't. It's like I, I love yeah, my dog, yeah, but thanks. I also love her enough to just give her, to just you know, no one's like, okay, she's clearly, she's telling me that it's her time. Yeah, but, yeah, like that happened with our last dog when we had to uh, put her put her down like a year and a half ago. God, it's yeah. just the worst, isn't it? Well, it was one of those things where, like, it happened really quick, kind of, where we were out of town for a wedding, we come back, and the person that had been dog-sitting basically said, like, she just didn't eat this weekend, and sometimes, like, our, she would do that, or other our dogs would need if they were around, like, a stranger that they didn't know that well, and someone was watching them, so we just didn't think anything of it at first, and then, like, another day went by, she didn't eat, and then she kind of started, uh puking but i mean she would puke and it would be just because she wasn't eating it'd just be like stomach acid and then she started getting the diarrhea but then finally like when i took her into the vet uh they ran like a blood test and stuff and when they came back to us the next day with it and said like her kidneys are failing at that point like she's like there's another test i can run to like confirm this but i'm pretty sure it's going to come back with that and then once i heard that they said that she's probably in a lot of pain even though she's not showing it i was like yeah we we're just going to get this over with cuz there's no point in putting this dog through that anymore yeah that's so heartbreaking but it's like i can see where people would want to spend a lot of money if say they got a dog and sat, and whatever it was was something where it happened early on in the dog's life yeah they know they can still get a lot of years afterwards with the dog but if it's an older dog a lot of the times 
you just gotta out you gotta kind of weigh are they in a lot of pain and if they're not is their like style is their they're living at that at that point still something that looks like they're enjoying or does it look like they're miserable yeah yeah what what is what is the the animal's quality of life even at that point yeah yeah like if they appear to if they appear to be fine and it's one of those things that it's not worth the risk of the surgery or it's one of those things where it's like a four thousand dollar surgery for your dog and you just can't justify spending that kind of money just if the quality of life of the dog isn't that bad i'd for me i definitely wouldn't spend the money just because i one wouldn't be able to justify that amount yeah yeah i mean it's tough because the bonds you know you form with your your pets i mean they truly are members of the family yeah huh yeah that's the other thing too is like it's just once they get to that certain point of age like even some of the simple things like having teeth cleaned on them some dogs you have to put under but they don't want to clean dogs teeth once they hit a certain age because they don't want to put them under Mm -hmm. so then it's like you kind of well i guess i'll just let they might have some teeth fall out here and there but as long as it's not causing issues for them you don't really have to worry about it type thing yeah i I remember one time i was i wasn't so much cat sitting as um a friend of mine his parents uh, like go south somewhere for winter every year. And he was out of town for, for work or climbing or something like that. And he asked if I'd, you know, stop by his parents' house, you know, a few times and feed this, this cat. That's more, more or less just a garage cat that just lives in like this heated garage. And it's like, yeah, that's no problem. It's right next to where I work. It's not a big deal. And so I'd stop over there and just check on this cat. His name is Pebbles, cute little kitty. And, and give her like some canned food and go around water, a bunch of plants in the garage and then head out. And so I did that one year. And then the next year, um, I was doing it again. And I remember I went and stopped and checked on pebbles one time and her eye was like all swelled up. And the way, the place that she always sat was on this workbench right next to this stand that held all these drill bits that had, they were like a spades or like spade or butterfly type drill bits. And so they have like a real wicked point right in the middle of each one to get them started. <clears throat> and so I was like, you know, sometimes cats will sneeze and when they sneeze, their head will just like violently yeah. shake around. So I'm like, did this cat just sneeze and like spear its freaking eye? Cause it looked like it had punctured its eye and that's what was going on. And yeah. so immediately called my buddy and let him know he let his dad know and they're like okay just just keep an eye on the situation the next day it looked way worse like it looked like the eye was about to start popping out of the freaking socket jeez <clears throat> and so they arranged for i ended up talking to his dad on the phone and they told me what vet they go to and so i loaded the cat up and took it to the vet and then uh the, the his dad called me a little while later that night and he's like hey i just wanted to let you know what was going on He's like, you're not going to have to go and pick up that cat again. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be putting pebbles down. She has some form of feline cancer that's fast acting. And where it was, the tumor was growing in her head. It was creating pressure that was pushing her eyeball out. And so that's why it looked like that. Oh, shit. And I was like, holy shit. But yeah, man, I mean, talk about rotten luck. <laughs> that happening, you know, while you're, while you're cat sitting for somebody. I mean, I was heartbroken over it. And it wasn't even my cat. I couldn't imagine having to go through that, you know, having somebody else be the proxy to actually take care of all that for your pet. It had to have been hard. Yeah, that would be awful. 
God, I can only imagine like what type of like I've had a, I've had migraines and I know how painful those can be. I can only imagine like what kind of pain that cat would be feeling. Oh, that poor kitty. Yeah, I know. Just like a, a splitting headache nonstop all the time or what? Ugh. Yeah, dude, cancer's a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. They have all I the remember... elements, man. I I hope they come up with a. I mean, because that's a scary one, scary one too. Because it's like, oh, you just have some cells that go rogue, and now they're just reproducing out of control. They're not following the DNA blueprints; they've been altered. It's like, oh, that's scary, man. It's, and especially how quick some of them act, um, act too, or how how far along they are before they can even become detectable. Yeah. Right now, that's the other. That's the other thing too. Is like until it gets to a point where either our technology catches up with like the type of testing we can do. Like some of those forms of cancer that basically are so, so fatal because they can't be like, can't figure out, you can't find out that you actually have it until it's so far along that there's nothing that really can be done because it moves so quick and it's so undetectable for so long. It's that's, that's what's frustrating. When are they going to come up with some altered carbon type tech? And start putting us in stacks and we can just switch bodies at will. That'd be so weird. It'd be so weird. That'd be so weird. I still haven't gotten around to the second season of that show, but god damn, that first season and then the little animated thing that they had that, that followed up the second season was fucking incredible. I never ended I think I watched like the first episode of it, but I never ended up finishing that first season. I know I I know I'd heard like mixed things. Some people love the second season. Some still prefer the first over the second, but I've heard really good things about the show in general. Yeah. I highly recommend going back and, and rewatching that first season. Mm-hmm. It was like just talking about it. I want to go back and rewatch that. <laughs> Cause is altered carbon. The one that has a uh, Joel Kinnaman in it. Yeah. He's in the first season. Okay. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of them too. Yeah, that's a crazy fucking story. Hmm. <clears throat> Since I've been spending so much time writing lately, I've been trying to not get into too many other distractions, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but it's like these Disney Plus shows that are coming out, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not missing that. <laughs> exactly. and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> I've been, you know, definitely making <clears throat> making room for, for, cer- for certain things. But otherwise, I haven't really been watching watching too much lately yeah outside of we caught up on the boys um we did a rewatch uh over like the last month and a half or so of i'd never finished the office so we watched all the office before it left netflix um i wasn't able to get into that i i tried that, that was the thing that, um heather's heather was like that too where she hated the show for a while and then like just me constantly having it on after a while and her listening to it and then watching some episodes, she started realizing she liked it. So then we watched, <laughs> we decided to watch the whole series over since I'd never finished it. And we really liked that show. I also was the same way with how I met your mother, but so we kind of slowly started a rewatch of that show. Um, but then other than just kind of rewatching old stuff, we haven't really like, there's been a couple shows that have been coming on. Like we watched the flight attendant on HBO max and really liked that first season. Uh, Lindsay was watching that and I watched quite a bit of that with her. So generally what I'll do is my wife will get into shows and like, so then I will tangentially watch the show where I don't catch every episode, 
and and I don't even care, like the episodes I do see, I might not even see all of that episode, but like I know enough of the, I see enough of it to where I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. And um, Flight Attendant was, what I've seen of that has been great. I love the theme music for it too. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised how much I ended up liking it. Um, Cause I really, I mean, I really liked Big Bang Theory. So Kaylee Kuko on that and then her being on this, I was kind of interested to see like how, how well she does in that off of something else than Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Um, Theory is one of those shows that I almost like, I like, there's a part of my mind that for some reason I like refuse to watch it. And I I think it's (laughs) because so many people have been like, oh my God, y'all totally love it. And I'm like, oh my God, really? I really totally love it. (laughs) And I like, I I just refuse to watch it. I don't know if it's like an innate cuntiness in me or what, but it's like, I can't enjoy it. But part of it also is that um, <clears throat> when Lindsay and I had our first apartment, uh, we just had two, seven and nine TV, right? We didn't have cable or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we did <clears throat> was watch the series of friends over okay. and over again, because we had the entire series on DVD. Yeah. And so I feel like it kind of burned me out on sitcoms to where I was like, like, I really like friends. I have no interest at all in going back and rewatching any of it. But when it's like, when I've been places and it's been on, I've enjoyed it. And I just feel like, like, what's the point? Like I'm going to watch another sitcom and it's just going to be more of this. Like, does that that make any sense? Like, I I feel like I just like watch so much friends that I'm just like, I'm done with sitcoms. Yeah. Well, I remember when I first started watching, when I first like saw the big bang theory was on TV and I just like, tried watching an episode that was on i thought it was stupid but then someone told me you need to like watch a handful of episodes together so that way you can kind of get an understanding of each of these characters personalities and then when i did that i really like i started liking the show and that's when i got into it yeah but it yeah. definitely like if, if you just like jump if it's just on tv and you you haven't been watching it before it's definitely one of those shows where i could see a lot of people watching it and then thinking it's kind of like dumb and cheesy and not really that funny or whatever just because they don't have an understanding of why the characters are acting the way they act yeah and and like man i cannot stop clearing my throat today um i get sucked into narratives really easy so i'm sure if i did sit and watch a bunch of episodes i'd probably get sucked into it and i probably would start liking it i just won't allow myself to get there for whatever reason yeah (laughs) well it's just like some of the funny stuff that like comes like that happens in some of those in some of the episodes with this like pop culture um, stuff in general, mm-hmm. where I think there's an episode where um, like I don't know if you really know the characters at all that well, but I think it was Sheldon's girlfriend in one of the episodes. Amy mentions because he makes her watch um, Indiana Jones with her. I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. that he makes her watch because it's one of his favorite movies. And then at the end of the movie, or something, she tells him that Indiana Jones had like had no impact on the actual story and how if he wasn't in the movie the exact same thing would have happened <laughs> then it like ruined his life and he told all of his all of the other main characters that are his friends about it and they're trying to think of ways of how she was wrong but they they realized that she wasn't well no that that is totally true about raiders of the lost ark yeah because even at the end the nazis it's the thing they happens still, the way it, it would have happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, how did you beat the bad guys? I was just tied to a pole and I had to keep my eyes closed while some ghosts were flying around. 
And that's one in the, in the, within that episode when they're talking about it. One of them is like, "Well, what, what if he wasn't in it? Would they have not been able to do this?" And like, "No, they actually would have found it faster because he did this, and it caused them to actually get sidetracked or something." <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Raiders of the Lost Ark is still an amazing movie. <laughs> yeah, and then they get into it with a uh, Back to the Future too on an episode, and then like they get all caught up in um, how to use the proper grammar tenses when they're talking about stuff in the past where it happens in the future but then it's a few it all it's all this weird stuff about how they just can't get the right tense of words like has have had not stolen the the almanac <laughs> <laughs> you know i really liked the the way that endgame portrayed time travel versus back to the future and i liked that they're meta enough to like call that out in the movie yeah. because it's like theory relativity basically if if you work out the physics of it, it basically shows that, yeah, time travel is something that can happen, but I don't, but like not in the way that, that like back to the future would depict it. Like not in like any sort of alter, alter reality altering way. I think that if it is something that were to happen, it would be much more like aim end game where it's like, no, your, your, your past has now become your future your future can't be your past. That's, that's not how that works. You can't, you can't go back in time. And I mean, like you might be able to go back in time and like get lottery numbers or something like that. But I don't, I don't think you could do something. And I realize this is all totally speculative, (laughs) but it's like, I don't don't think you like something could go back and and happen. And then you go back and like, everything's different. And I mean, do you know what I mean? That that's where the story seems to turn into a fantasy in my head. Yeah, where it's basically like, because within the game, it's basically like they kind of explain a portion of how real time travel would work, like um, timeline wise, <clears throat> in Back to the Future, where when he's explaining how uh, in the second movie where he where Biff went back in time and got the almanac or brought the almanac back to him and stuff, how it created that alternate timeline. That's basically what real time travel would do, except it's like starts from the present and you just stick on that timeline, you wouldn't be able to jump to the other timeline again. Yeah, it's, it's weird shit. It's like, have you ever heard of the grandfather paradox? <laughs> no. It's pretty cool. It's something that, like, that physicists will talk about if you ask them about time travel. And it's basically this paradox of if you invent a time machine and you travel back in time and you kill your grandfather, like, would you cease to be? Yeah, then you're and not since, there. And, and then... since you cease <clears throat> to be... That means you never existed. You could never have built the time machine. You could never have gone back in time and killed your grandfather. It just immediately creates a paradox that that there's no way out of. And so yeah. they believe that the universe protects itself from paradoxes. And so that sort of time travel is basically it would not be possible. But there are times of, of t- there are types of time travel that are possible. And whereas, you know, the people that are in the space station actually experience time differently than people are on the planet. Because mm-hmm. us living on the planet, we're closer to the center of the gravity well that the Earth sits in, which is the center of the planet. The closer you get to that gravity well, the slower time is going to move for you. So if you were to get in some sort of spacecraft and you were to go and just chill right on the event horizon of a supermassive black hole, when you were to come back, you know, just say like 10 months passed for you it might actually be a hundred years for everybody else because yeah. of time dilation you would have slowed down so much because of your proximity to an intense gravity well 
I, I don't know why more people don't trip out about space. <laughs> it's wild. It's the coolest fucking shit that there is. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't get how people in countries squabble over the things they squabble on, and they don't look up at the sky and go, that's the fucking adventure up there. That is the future. That is an impossible to conceive void with a countless number of stars, planets, galaxies, countless number of possibilities all there. And all you got to do is get your fucking shit together and step out and be a race that travels among the stars. But no, you want to argue over stupid shit. <laughs> okay. Well, with time, with time travel monkeys. too. Isn't it with time travel too? Like, if, if the the way it could actually theoretically happen is technically, you wouldn't be able to go back in time. You'd only be able to go back to when you originally created time travel. I've I've heard that one too. Um, I don't know. I more of the stuff that I've paid attention to is is all just has to do with the way that gravity affects time. Just because mm -hmm. I mean, since it plays out in in Einstein's theory of uh, relativity. And it works there. It's like, okay, now now I'll waste my feeble time <laughs> daydreaming yeah. along that track. But like the, you know, like the time machine shit where it's like, well, I'm going to build a chair or I'm going to, you know, build a flux capacitor and put it in a DeLorean <laughs> and stuff. It's like, that's, I love the sci-fi, the high sci-fi concept of all that. Yeah. But, but that's just never the, the track that, that mine goes down because the one that you're saying is that they think that, okay, if a time machine has been built, that means that you could use this time machine to where some point in the future, you'd be able to use a, a time machine that's working off the similar technology to travel back, back to, that. to that point because that's when that time machine was built. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like that makes sense. And then like – and I feel like the reason to a lot of people, just like general – it's easier to for movies obviously like to do, a, to do this, the kind of way that – they think uh, time travel would work in Back to the Future because it's just like the simplest to comprehend for people. Like, yeah, if if this person wasn't there when this originally happened, then it couldn't have happened. So if we just can figure out a way to go back there, it won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's a certain, you know, like pop culture vault of knowledge that you're working mm -hmm. off of. Like if you're going off those same rules – so many people have seen back to the future. So many people know those rules. So yeah, it's less so you, you just, have to, it's less you have to do as a storyteller. If you're stepping into again. a sandbox that people are already familiar with. Yep. Yeah. It was funny the way they did it in the end game though. And they're just listing off all these movies that this is how they told us. This is how time travel works. And they're like, Nope. So like, back to the future is just full of shit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> It was good that they used like Paul. Rudd, they used Ant Man and Paul yes. Rudd as that character uh, to like kind of have it be explained because <laughs> his timing and comedic in this comedic timing is perfect for it. Absolutely perfect. I love that they brought brought Paul Rudd into the MCU. That guy's mm -hmm. a fucking treasure. He's so funny. <laughs> the fact that every time he's on Conan, he plays that same clip from Mac and Me. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that? Uh uh. I've seen I've seen the clip of Mac and Me like the. But I've never actually realized like he did that on Conan. Yeah, every time that he's been on Conan <laughs> to like promote a movie, he plays the, the like okay, we're gonna play an upcoming clip from Ant Man and the Wasp, and then instead it plays the same clip of Mac and me from the kid in the wheelchair <laughs> flying down the hill and then going over the cliff's edge. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. 
God. If, if you watch um, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix and go to the, the gauntlet season, Mac and Me is one of the movies that they do. Okay. It's so, <laughs> it's so fucked up, man. When we were watching that, too, my wife told me, she's like, oh, I used to watch that movie all the time when I was a kid. And I was like, no <laughs> fucking way. <laughs> I was like, I'd never, like, the first time I saw the Paul Red thing, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then when I actually watched MST3K, that was like the most of the movie I'd ever seen. Can you imagine I don't know. actually sitting and watching that movie? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, that you said that about your wife watching that show. I can't, I can't think of, I'm trying to think of like a really bad, like B-list movie or something that I watched all the time. I don't know if I had a movie like that, that I, I'd be not necessarily embarrassed, but it's like one of those like movies that would be on like a mystery science uh, theater 3000 or something where it's not a very popular show or popular movie, but it has like that crazy cult following or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I just can't remember. I mean, obviously, I had Ninja Turtles, but like none of them got so bad that they <laughs> started riffing them like that on stuff, and they were kids' movies. Yeah, I know for sure there had to be some bad shit that I watched when I was a kid that they would be worthy of that now. <laughs> I mean, the Mortal Kombat movie, but the first one's still pretty sweet. <laughs> for what it was, it was still kind of fun. I still enjoy that first one. Dude, I hadn't watched that movie since I was a kid. And then, have you seen that new animated one, The Scorpion's Revenge? Yeah, that one was pretty sweet. Holy shit. So I watched that and thought it was fucking rad. And I was like, you know what? I got to go back and watch that original movie again. <laughs> and, like, you know, I I, I loved playing Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. Like, I played the shit out of it on Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the movie that many times. Because when I was in high school and saw the movie, like, even in high school, the movie didn't fully get me. Like, I didn't think it was the shit back then. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it had some good performances in it. Like, the Shao Kahn guy is Yeah, he did pretty great. good. Great. Like, he's so good. Uh, Christopher Lambert in it is, like, borderline embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, some of it's kind of rough. But, man, that new one, that Scorpion's Revenge animated movie was the shit. That was so just, good. It just helps that, like, that Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat theme song was so popular and just got you so hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of, of fucking high school basketball games every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that's like some total like fucking pep squad shit. <laughs> and then the second movie wasn't that great. It was just kind of funny seeing all these new characters from the video games in the second movie. Hmm. Hey, did you see the the stills that have been shared from the the new live action Mortal Kombat? Um, I've seen like the like the links and stuff, but I've never actually I didn't actually like click on any of them to like look into them more. Whoa, uh, man! I hope it's good. I, I hope, hope it turns good out too. I'm I'm really excited about it. the The pictures that that Brian shared on the PCL page on Facebook and on Twitter looked really really good. Um, <clears throat> there's a yeah. there's another one also coming out that's gonna be a martial arts movie. That um, I think it is a Japanese movie. It's coming out, but it's gonna have like a fucking forty-seven minute long, like one cut action, like one shot or like single shot action scene. Jeez, I know. Sounds fucking crazy, right? Yeah, that sounds nuts. I don't know how they could. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be so pissed. It's because like so that means it's all one take, it. right? Yes. 
Man, think how much you it would suck if like you're at like that forty six minute spot <laughs> into the scene and then the dude like slips or something. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Like, god damn it, we're not gonna go and edit this. We're gonna do it one take. Do it live. <laughs> do it live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I put my iPad away a little bit ago, otherwise I totally hit that button. That's not bite <laughs> it's like that's fucking hilarious like go figure right when you close the ipad <laughs> right that's how it works <laughs> oh shit that's funny um but there was like um and for the mortal Kombat a while back they did like uh i think it was like an eight minute or ten minute short that was on youtube hmm. and it was really cool like it looked like it would be a really good uh like storyline for because i think they had uh michael jai white as jacks Huh. And the way, like, the from what I remember watching it is basically he's, like, a detective. And he's walking into an interrogation room or something. And he's getting ready to... I can't remember who he's getting ready to interview now that uh, I think about it. But then you get, like, glimpses of other like other Mortal Kombat characters, like, as he's talking. Like, he's kind of narrating over the, the, like, the clip while he's talking to this person while you're seeing other stuff going on. And it looked really, like, gritty and dark. Like, it was going to be a really good movie, but it was just, like, a little eight-minute short movie that they did. But if they would have done – they do something like that on a on a grand scale, that could be pretty sweet. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. I never saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know with this with this upcoming one with the, the long, you know, single shot that I was talking about, um, the main character in it's supposed to be Miyamoto Musashi, which is cool because, like, I've always been – I've always been fascinated by that historical figure. Um, but like one of the things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was when I was watching the trailer, it showed so much of him fighting with a single sword. And it's like Musashi's fucking thing was that he fought with two swords. And that's why he was so good because it was like people back then didn't really fight with two swords. They fought with two hands on one sword and he was doing mm-hmm. something different that people couldn't cope with. And then he was also using psychological warfare that people didn't know what to do with. Like he'd fucking be like, Hey, we're going to duel at 10 AM tomorrow morning. And you're a piece of shit. And your mom's a whore. And the guy'd be like, what the fuck? And then he'd show up the next day, all hot and bothered, ready to fight. And then Musashi wouldn't show up until four or six hours later. And then then (laughs) the guy would be so fucking blind with anger that he'd fight like shit. And Musashi would win. Yeah. He'd be, yeah. He'd just, he'd throw them off their focus. Yeah. He was like the original Conor McGregor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's just out there talking mad shit <laughs> just, like why is this guy doing this i don't get it <laughs> but yeah in this, really in this trailer it was like showing a whole bunch of scenes where he was just fighting with one sword with two hands on it and it's like what the fuck is this but then it was parts in the scene where he had two swords and so it's like okay that's cool yeah i wonder if it's like the way they're gonna film it you're he's not going to like show that talent or something of using two swords for a bit on someone. And then when it presents itself for him to use the two, then the person's going to realize how badass he is with both. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I'll, I'll watch it regardless when it comes out, if it's on demand to like stream somewhere or pick up, you know, I'll get it. I, I love martial arts movies. Mm-hmm. Have you seen like the raid or the raid two? <laughs> no, I haven't seen those. I haven't really like I like martial arts. I'm not a huge maybe I'm just not like I I mean I obviously I like the fighting and stuff in them, but I think a lot of times I'm just not pulled into the the story that well. 
the story of the first raid movie is like really, really simple to grasp. It's okay. like there's a there is a like a, a criminal like overlord dude that like is holed up clear up high in this apartment building. And this SWAT team is going in like on like a surprise raid to go up through this building and take this guy out and arrest him. But in the course of being there, they come to find out that this guy was tipped off. He knew they were coming. And furthermore, the like the lieutenant or whatever that's running the the raid is actually a dirty cop who's trying to take this guy out on his own. And nobody else in the police forces actually knows that that these people on this police raid are there in this building trapped. And they've got it. And it's basically just like one or two people left. that got to like fight their way back through to make it out alive. Oh, that sounds pretty. And sweet. they're like doing crazy shit, like taking fucking axes and cutting holes in floors and shit to like jump down to the next level and shit. Oh, geez, dude, dude. And then in the second movie, it's like taking this, this character. And then the second movie, like the plot line is way more in depth where they take him and they like send him to prison to like make it look like he's been convicted of this crime, but really he's, his whole goal is to just get close to this criminal's son and then shit goes haywire. And he was supposed to only be in prison for a few months, but he ends up spending like fucking years there. And then him and this guy get out together. And so now he's like a double agent and oh my God, the second movie, like much more in depth plot, longer movie, a lot more complicated plot, but dude, the fight scenes in it. Holy shit. There's these two characters in the second movie where it's like, what is it? It's Hammer Girl and like Bat Boy, basically, where it's like this dude that carries a baseball bat and like a baseball and like he'll throw the baseball up in the air and hit it with the bat and like just drill people with it. And they'll be like, <laughs> give me, give me the ball back. Like he wants you to throw it back to him so he can hit you with it again. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And then the chick that he fights with has like two claw hammers that she fights with. And I'm pretty sure that she might be blind or something like that. I don't know. It's fucking rad though, man. That sounds intense. That sounds fucking cool. Dude, The choreography in these movies is, is next level. It's, it's so good. Like I highly recommend the raid movies and man, man, they are, <laughs> they're so fucking good. Like I, I'm talking about, I want to go back and watch them now. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the, the Ip Man movies on Netflix are both are really good too. Have you ever watched that? It's with uh, mm -hmm. Donnie Yen. I, I've heard, I've heard of those ones too. Like I remember, I think you told me about them and I, those ones sounded good. Well, and I know Donnie Yen cause I've seen him cause he's, I've seen him in other movies and stuff doing, doing his fighting. The Ip Man ones are really cool too, because they're like based on true stories. Like this Johnny Yen's character was like a real guy. It was the guy who trained Bruce Lee. And oh, nice. when World War II broke out and the Japanese like uh uh occupied parts of China, that's mm -hmm. what happens in the first movie. Is that it, it starts off and he's just like this celebrated kung fu master and people are challenging him and stuff, and then the war happens, shit goes sideways, and now basically him and his family and everyone in his village are like living in a refugee camp and these Japanese soldiers, this one guy that's in charge of their area is like this sadist that's obsessed with martial arts. And he's obsessed with this idea of, you know, that that the Chinese say that their Kung Fu is superior to Japanese Kung Fu. And so he's like, basically there's all these people, these Chinese people who are starving during this war. He's saying, look, if you come and fight my soldiers, 
you know, for my own spectacle, you know, if you win, we'll give you a bag of rice. And so then, you know, Ip Man kind of gets drawn into that, sees somebody die, and then he goes in to kind of pull his kung fu dick out. And he tells the bad guy, he's like, no, 10. I'm going to go against 10 of your guys. And so if nothing else, dude, watch that fight of Ip Man versus 10 Japanese soldiers on YouTube because it is fucking Oh, like if it doesn't, if you're not like standing up for your TV, pacing back and forth with your heart racing, watching that, I, I don't know what is, I don't know what I can do for it. <laughs> <laughs> but watching Donnie Yen is if man, take out 10 fucking tick on 10 dudes at once. Unbelievable, man. I know the quality of fighting isn't quite the same, but have you watched the third season of Cobra Kai? I still need to get on Cobra Kai, man. I still haven't even watched the first season. Oh, I'm so really? ashamed. Oh man. I know, so and, and I'm lo- I'm looking at my <laughs> at my coffee cup here from Smugglers, and it says "Strike hard, strike fast, sweep the leg." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck, I need to watch that shit." <laughs> Even my so, coffee I cup mean, is judging me. Yeah, I watched. We watched the third season because I mean, I love the Karate Kid movies, and it was. I mean, I love Cobra Kai. I know, like, the fighting in it is kind of ridiculous for the kids, and like how over the top it is. But it's like I've already come to accept that. And I just love all the other story I'm getting with they give us with Daniel and uh, Johnny and stuff throughout the series. It's been so good. Sweet. I loved the Karate Kid movies when I was younger. I used to watch yeah. the first two all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen the first two the most, and I've only seen the third one, I feel like, twice. Yeah, I think I've seen the third one maybe once. That's the one where Daniel goes kind of dark, right? Yeah, he goes. He that's That was the one when him and Mr. Miyagi opened up the their own like uh, bonsai store and then the new do the new um head sensei at cobra kai was terry silver and he was the one who was trying to turn daniel basically into like a bully pretty much yeah yeah because he was like teaching him how to like accidentally punch people in the face and shit like yeah, that break noses and stuff like that <laughs> doesn't he have him like punching a clipboard with a picture on it yeah, it was a picture of, like, some other student yes. or something. It was He's like, nuts. that's not your blood, that's their blood. I, that's that's ba- basically the only part of that movie I remember. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this guy's teaching you to bust up your hands, man. Go back to Miyagi. This guy's not right. Yeah, go to Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and then I watched that one with Hilary Swank maybe once or twice. Yeah, I've seen that one. I never saw the remake with uh, Jackie Chan and um, Jaden Smith. Mm, I did. I didn't like it. Yeah. I was like, the original is so good, and I love Mr. Miyagi. I don't really need them to remake him. Yeah. I'd much rather just them try to, tell, like, keep whatever. Like, I like the what they're doing with Cobra Kai, where it's like they're using the actors from those movies, and they're continuing, like, that world, but they aren't trying to bring back Mr. Miyagi as, a, like, another Mr. Miyagi or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll get into it at some point. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it, and they're easy to binge to because most of the episodes I think are like in that thirtieth, thirty, thirty to forty minute range, depending. Some episodes are a little longer than others, but they're all kind of around that, so it's pretty easy to binge a season here and here pretty quickly. Nice, yeah, and, and I've heard nothing but good things about them. So, I mean, it's I, I know I'm missing out. <laughs> well, it's funny too because I don't. Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Uh. D- Basically, when it was on TV, I think I caught random episodes, but I never, like, you know, like, made a concerted effort to, like, watch it. Okay. So, like, I'm pretty sure from just, like, when Cobra Kai was first coming out, 
and just some of the brief interviews and stuff and articles that I had read from the creators was that the real um, like head of steam to get that show kind of in the works to get bought out by a com- or get bought by a company to get produced and everything was there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where the where Barney um, said how he that like Karate Kid was one of his favorite movies and that the real Karate Kid was Johnny Lawrence and that um, Daniel LaRusso was the bad guy and he's like yeah Daniel LaRusso just comes in here and he just steals his girlfriend punches him in the face for no reason <laughs> and <laughs> like so like the whole episode of that like is the, all the other characters and um, trying to like convince Barney that he's wrong but then basically William Zabka and uh Ralph Macchio show up in the episode and like I guess like that episode just got like really popular um and then it like started that train of people wanting some more karate kid stuff with those actors and that's kind of how it got got the the ball rolling that's awesome yeah I was like glad it did because that this show's great that's really cool yeah yeah I mean at some point I will do that but yeah, like I said, right, like... right now I'm trying to avoid <laughs> distractions, so I'm definitely not trying to take on more shows right now. Yeah, there's a show that's close to ending. I don't. I mean, I I think it's maybe got a couple episodes left because I think it's just like a limited um, series on Star uh, Showtime. Showtime. Um, it's called Your Honor with um, Brian Cranston. He's like the main character. Oh, okay. And uh, it's basically he's a judge down in New Orleans, and his son in the first episode, um, he basically is going to like a memorial of where his mom died, and it's not in a very good neighborhood down in New Orleans, and he gets lost, and some of the the gang members that are on that street kind of intimidate him to get out of there. He doesn't belong there, and so he's he's lost in this neighborhood trying to drive around. He he has asthma, so he's having like an asthma attack. Uh huh. And his inhaler was on the on the seat, and ultimately he's trying to speed out of there and stuff. And this other character that you get introduced to at the very beginning of the episode is is riding a motorcycle, and the son's having the the asthma attack. He goes to like lean down and reach on the floor of the the passenger seat to try and get the inhaler, and he ends up hitting the car, hitting the motorcycle, like swerving over and hitting it. Mm-hmm. And it turns it turns out like so the kid. It's another kid around his age, like in high school. It turns out that that kid is, is like a a son of a mobster in that area. Okay. And Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston being a judge, knows how powerful this man is because his son freaked out when it happened and didn't like try call nine one one, but then he hung up and just left. Uh huh. And so then it's like the whole thing is like basically Brian Cranston being a judge is trying to like figure out ways to correct this for his son. But then when he finds out whose son he actually killed, it's like a whole nother thing now. And all this other stuff gets brought into it. And it's just like, it's kind of like, it's not break. It's, it doesn't have the crazy twists of breaking bad. If you, I know you didn't, I don't think you got it too far no. into that show. Nope. But, never watched an episode, but it has like the quality of acting of breaking bad and stuff. It's a really good like mini series. I think they've talked about that on PCL because that, that premise sounds really familiar. Yeah. It's, it's really fucking good. And, I don't. I think it's probably because, like, I think the seventh episode just came out today, so I'm guessing it's probably going to be like an eight to ten episode miniseries. Hmm, I don't nice. think it's. I don't think it's being touted as like a 
a series premiere. I think it's supposed to be like a limited series of some sort. Hmm. But that's a show at some point when it's completed, that'd be a good good show to watch too. <laughs> if you're if you're into to that type of stuff. But yeah. I mean Brian Cranston to me can't really do any wrong at this point. Man, there's just so much good content out these days. It's crazy. Like how mm-hmm. much is out there, how much is available for us now. And then yeah, and trying to catch up on that along with some people like I mean, like us, we're watching watching old stuff and that has like a long catalog when you watch the office that's got nine seasons and you watch something like how I met your mother. That's got nine or 10 seasons. Yeah. Like 24 episode. Yeah. Even though they're half hours, it's still like, yeah, it's like combining watching that stuff along with trying to find new stuff to watch. Sometimes you just end up not even searching really and just kind of keep watching your old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of times they're like, if I just want TV on in the background while I'm doing something, I'll just put on episodes of clone wars. Mm Hmm. Yeah, if, there, if there's if I just want to have the TV on and I don't really care to focus, it's like yeah, I'll put on The Office or Big Bang Theory or something where it's like I've seen the episode so many times that even if I'm not paying attention, I could like hear one little section of dialogue and kind of know where they're at and be caught up again. Yeah, yeah, that's how I am with Clone Wars, <laughs> and a lot of times it's like I'll, I'll get sucked into it. And yeah, so it's like most of the time I don't most of the time it's like if i'm doing something where i want something on in the background like i have to have it as music and and it that like if i'm writing like i can't listen to i can't have a tv on in the background because i'll watch it i can't put a movie on i'll watch it uh i can't listen to music that i know the words to because i'll want to sing along with it (laughs) it's like i need to have i don't want to call it mindless music but like something that's you know it's not something where i'm going to be you know, singing along with or something that's like, I, I, I just like, um, like ghetto house music is like really, really good for me. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just got like a beat that just goes in the background and it can just go off and, and I can just listen to that. Or, um, yeah. I'll go back and listen to crystal, the crystal methods, uh, first album Vegas. I don't know if it's their first album, but their album Vegas. I listen to that one a lot. Uh, massive attack. Uh, mezzanine i listen to that over and over again a lot um but man otherwise i, I feel like i get sucked into things yeah I, <laughs> like yeah, i'll get drawn I'm, into I'm really, narratives i need to be careful that's the problems like at work too is like if i really have to focus on something i can't have like a podcast going or like mainly i can't have an audiobook going if i have an audiobook and i need to be like really focusing on something while i'm working i can't because i'll start zoning out what i'm listening to yeah, and not listen, and then I'll I'll start listening again like ten like five minutes later, and then not realize what they just talked about. <laughs> that that happened to me when um because um you know the brute force and ignorance podcast, mm-hmm. the D and D group. Yep. Um, I've I I had to stop listening to that because I couldn't listen to it at work because I I wouldn't be able to pay attention, and then I'd like you know be busy you know, doing work shit. And then like, I'd be back to doing, you know, more mindless stuff. And then I'd start paying attention to the podcast again. I'm like, where, where are we at now? It's like, <laughs> so I, I can't listen to things that, that have a plot like while I'm working. And yeah. I've found that like most of the time when I'm at work, like my, my new uh, keep Joe happy routine is when I get really stressed out, I listen to eighties music. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, you know, it's like, how stressed out can you be if you're singing along to love shack you know (laughs) (laughs) it's hard it's really hard and it helps but i find that if i do get like 
Um, if I'm having like a really good day and it, it, and I'm not stressing too bad, I'll listen to podcasts. But like, I'm not, if you ask me at the end of the day, everything I listen to, I don't retain a lot of it. Yeah. Because my, my job is just so much more mentally taxing than, than it was back in the day when I had a different position that I could pretty much do in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely affected my podcast listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be able to listen to audiobooks or something like that, but I feel like I'd have to have a job like a like an over the road trucker or something like that before I'd be able to do something like that. Yeah, audiobooks for me, like the only time I can really listen to them is when like I know I have like downtime at at work where it's the stuff that I'm doing is more just kind of researching items and stuff like that, so I'm not actively involved in getting something prepared and put together that has to get done by a certain time. It's more until the next section of things we have to get going on. I have this other stuff I can just kind of try to get caught up on. And that's when I usually can listen to podcasts and stuff like that the most. Yeah. But audiobooks, otherwise, like I feel like I listen to them best when I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing something kind of just around the house, I can kind of listen to an audiobook a little bit, or if I'm driving, like if I'm just driving, then I can focus on it. Yeah. Yeah, if I were taking like a like the next time we take a big family trip, it'd probably be fun to to like listen to one of the Harry Potter books or something like that that I know my kids is into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a I've not, I haven't listened to the audiobooks. I've read the books, so I've I've always been interested in listen read like because I want to go back and reread them again at some point. But I would almost I'm almost tempted to try the audiobook version to see if I I like it as much. Yeah, my wife's been been reading them to them for the first time. And so they're on, they're in like the, the first part of order of the Phoenix now. Okay. And oh, I can't wait till they're done. There's, there's, and then they're, they're like watching the movies at the same pace. So right now they won't watch any further in the movies than Goblet of Fire. Because oh they, yeah. They don't want to be spoiled from the books. They want to experience it first from the books. And I, I think that that's cool. Yeah. That's definitely the better one of the two ways. Oh yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, and that's just usually how it goes. Yeah, almost all the time the book is going to be better than the movie. And there's just so much stuff that, especially when these first came out, because I remember reading, I think I was like in third or some second or third grade when like the first three books all came out together pretty much. And then it was like every summer there on after was when the, the release of the next book would come out. Um, so like I remember I read the first three, and then I at the time that the fourth one came out, Goblet of Fire... I, uh, that's when like the size of the book really jumped Yeah, and I just started high school, I think at that point, And that's when like they, or something, or, and they started us reading a lot more for school. And I was like, eh, I don't really like to read that much. <laughs> and so I'm never going to really get around to reading it. So then it was like later on in life when I decided to finish them up, but those books are really good. And like, especially like prisoner of Azkaban, like there's so much stuff that happens in the beginning of that book that I love, like in the first hundred pages. But then it's like two minutes portrayed on screen. Yeah. When, so I got into the first two Harry Potter movies before I ever read the books. And, and, and I really liked the movies. I liked the world it was setting up and the books were far enough along at that point that uh, prisoner Azkaban, the film hadn't come out yet. Uh, The books were at a point where order the Phoenix had just released And so I was able to buy like a box set that had the first four in hardback. And then I remember uh, my wife and I were on a trip up to the Mall of America and I went into a bookstore and bought the hardback of Order of the Phoenix. Okay. And 
And so like, I just, I'm a fast reader. And so I just devoured all those books and we were watching those first two movies on repeat and they were almost like verbatim copies of the books. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when that third movie came out and it was so different from the book stylistically looks wise, it was so much different from the first two movies also that I didn't like that third movie the first time I watched it. I, like, I left the movie theater really disappointed and I almost begrudgingly bought it on DVD. But now when I go back and watch all of them, that third one's like my favorite. Like I, I remember the... I, I love the, the choices that Alfonso Cuaron made in that movie. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I remember the third book when I read, when I was reading through them at the time. The third for the longest time is, was one of my fa was my favorite book. Yeah, I'm always hard-pressed when, when somebody asks me what my favorite Harry Potter book is. I'm always hard-pressed in between Prisoner of Azkaban or Half-Blood Prince. Mm -hmm. the, I'm always hard pressed to tell you which one's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I'd probably pick prisoner Azkaban to, to win it out just because I'm a sucker for time travel stories. And I love the way that JK did it in that. Yeah. That was a really cool way that she did it in that book. Yeah. And it also, it introduces one of my favorite characters and I love the, the turn that it does throughout the majority of the book. You think Sirius Black's a bad guy. And then the turn it takes at the end that no, he's a good guy and the real villain is somebody that you've been with this whole time. You didn't even yeah. know it was a person like, I don't know. Like I, I, I know that, that people have their, their reasons to be upset with JK, but, but in terms of, of me just looking at her as a writer, like she's, she's a brilliant writer and the way that she planned those books out, the, the stuff that she lays down in the first book that then pays off at the end of deathly hollows. I mean, the way that she wrapped that up, it was, I remember the first time I finished deathly hollows, I was like, I can't believe she took all those strings and tied them up into such a beautiful bow. Yeah. And she like, tied it and up didn't leave well. anything hanging really. And that was one, that was one of the things like I really liked because I, I, once I got back into the books and I was basically from order of the Phoenix on, I had left and I, I read all of those like really quick. Cause I already, I had all the books. I kept getting them when they came out. Cause I wanted to keep, wanted to have them. And I knew at some point I'd read them. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I finally finished it, yeah, that payoff of with Snape at the end of the, of Deathly Hallows and how it all tied together from day one was so good in the book. And I mean, it, it's hard to portray it well enough on screen, which they did an okay. They didn't do a great job of it. I don't feel like, but, they didn't do a horrible job either, mm -hmm. but the way they did it in the book was just so much better where you're getting all that dialogue from Snape, like and to see his visions and stuff and all that, all the different scenes yeah. of, of stuff that happened throughout his life and how he was really actually like super pissed off about how they're treating Harry pretty much. And yet you would have thought he was the bad guy the whole time. Yeah. Well, and it was so weird cause he had to reconcile the fact that he was absolutely in love with Harry's mother, absolutely loathed Harry's father. And every time he saw Harry, he saw James, but he would see Lily's eyes. Mm -hmm. And just the, the way that JK was able to create a character that was so twisted up because of those feelings, but ultimately pushed through because of how much he loved Harry's mother. And did you know that, that, part of the reason Alan Rickman was able to nail that performance so well was because he knew what Snape's eventual arc was going to be. Like when they were filming that first movie, JK basically pulled him aside and explained to him what always meant what Snape uh -huh. eventually coming to tell Dumbledore always 
like what the significance of that was. So Alan Rickman mm-hmm. was able to play the play Snape's character from the first movie, knowing how Snape truly felt about Harry. And I feel like it shows through in his performances. When you know it after the fact and you go back and watch that, God damn yeah, Alan Rickman. It, it, yeah, it totally, it totally changes the way that you look at his character and all the ways he treated Harry throughout the movies and the books when you realize at the end what really was going on. Hmm. Yeah, yeah Rickman then, was an um, amazing job as Snape. <laughs> I'm a, I need to go through and reread those again also. I mean, oh, fuck. They, they're so good. And, and um, also, I mean, just recently when when Lindsay first started rereading those to the, or reading them to the boys again and, you know, working from home and, you know, they, they homeschool. And so I'd go out and walk through the living room, you know, to go out and get coffee or something like that and just hear little bits of the story. But also knowing that it's like, okay, well, she's reading the copy of Sorcerer's Stone right now, so I can't read it. <laughs> she's already got that unlocked. And so um, uh, instead, I went back and um, – do you ever listen to the podcast Binge Mode? No, i never heard of it. Holy shit. Binge Mode is one of my favorite ever podcasts. It's uh, with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, and it's done through The Ringer. I have no idea what The Ringer is or anything like that. I think it has maybe something to do with sports. All I know is that a long time ago, one of my good friends was like – Oh, you like Game of Thrones? You got to listen to Binge Mode and listen to the way they cover it. And so Binge Mode, they did the entire run of Game of Thrones. They did all the Harry Potter books. Uh, They've done all the Star Wars stuff. And right now they're working their way through the MCU. Okay. But um, Jason and Mally have this really wonderful chemistry together. Uh, The show's really well produced. They have actual people on staff that, like, research things. And you can tell that that, um, some of the podcasts that they're doing, it, you know, they're reading, like, prepared script. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of it also is just riffing and, you know, telling dick jokes and stuff about, <laughs> about these characters. <laughs> like, they have this great shit going. And um, if you go through and listen to the binge mode uh, Harry Potters, it's great because they cover them only like four chapters at a time or so. And so it's, oh, that's a, nice. it's a fuckload of episodes to listen to. And it's great how in, how into it they get and how much research they did. In every episode, they have like a inside the restricted section where they'll – do really deep research on one certain topic that was maybe relevant in that series of chapters. And then they'll tell you a whole bunch of history from the books, um, Potter net things that JK just said in, in interviews and stuff to flush out that stuff. So it's a really informative, entertaining podcast. Um, but one of the things they joke about all the time is, um, they call, uh, McGonagall McGallion. And they say that she's <laughs> constantly betting on Harry and he's her secret ringer. And that's why she bought him the broom, <laughs> the Nimbus 2000 in the first movie and <laughs> shit like that. Let him in as the youngest ever player. It's, you know, they've got all these little side things like that going that are really funny. That's funny. That sounds really <laughs> cool. I'll probably have to check that out with uh, the Harry Potter ones. Yeah. And uh, one of the things they did that really surprised me was when they were in between projects, it was they'd finished up Star Wars. They hadn't started the MCU yet. And they were just covering a bunch of random stuff. And one of the things they did was they did like a two-part uh, series on Saga. And they covered, oh, nice. they covered all of Saga. And it was fucking incredible. Because um, the one host on there, Jason, he's been like a comic geek since he was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so part of the show that's cool is like when they cover stuff on Marvel, like he talks about like reading things when he was a kid. And then like a lot of times like he'll like, you know, talk Mallory into reading books that she'd never read before. And so it's been kind of cool. You know, just hearing these people that, you know, when I originally got into their podcast, it was just to listen to them talk about Game of Thrones and then hearing them talk about all sorts of things where it's like, well, I'm interested in that, too. And so binge, <laughs> binge mode's really grown on me. And then um, 
yeah, I, I don't even know how much more of it's going to be going on because um, it's it's weird how you listen to these things and you follow people on Twitter and then you start learning things about them. But like I read something about um, Jason getting a job for some other company, so he's not going to be working for The Ringer anymore. And so selfishly, my first thought was, no more binge mode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a podcast I'll have to check out because it would be a good way to like re-digest all the Harry Potter books in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, it was super fun l- listening to a breakdown that way, and it it fully got me obsessed with the books again in a way that it's like, you know, once I'm done with Silverthorn, I'll probably jump back on and pick up. If if not starting on Sorcerer's Stone, I might just start on Azkaban. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll be jumping back into Harry Potter pretty soon here. But um, I got, I want to make it more of an I want to make more of an effort to like read more novels throughout the year. Yeah, because man, I remember yeah, I, I used to read so much. But if I was a faster reader, I would. But I I just don't read extremely quick, just because like it takes me a little bit more just comp- just to remember everything. Yeah. So. Even like the Harry Potter books, like I don't read them slow, but I don't like I they're luckily those are ones where like when I read those, I can read I can sit down and read like 150 pages in an afternoon or something and not and like want to, and want to keep reading. But there's other times when I read where when I start reading, I just get tired too. I don't know why, but it just makes me tired. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so I've it's like been a fast so reader. it's like it. Yeah. So unless it's like a book that I'm planning on just kind of like breaking it down and reading like a chapter at a time. There's, there's only, I feel like maybe a handful of books where I could just start reading and nonstop keep reading. That's what's so great about comics is I can crack, crack through a, a trade of con in, a, in like less than an hour and get a pretty good story so far. Oh yeah. No, I feel like I read house of M yesterday in like a little over an hour. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and then you get done with it and you're like, that was a really good story. And it's not like you had to spend 20 hours reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well i definitely noticed like reading so many comics where it was like dude you're starting to write in like a comic style <laughs> like, <laughs> you need to read more novels <laughs> everything's so short and abbreviated <laughs> it very much was it was kind of funny and so <laughs> but that, like, why do i feel like i just wrote a story in outline form <laughs> <laughs> that's my process though i mean that that's how i i, I go yeah like, I, I come up with a plot i outline it and then from the outline, then I make a big long summary, and then from the summary, that's when I flush everything out because yep. I have to know all the details before I start writing. Otherwise, I feel like where's this going? Yeah. And, otherwise, you're either going to write yourself in the corners, or you'll circle back to something that you already talked about that you don't realize you did, or something like that. Or you'll yeah. say something later on that you forgot you said early on, so then it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that was one of the like that that like you know my approach to writing there. When I read Stephen King's on writing book, like he almost like denigrates an approach like that. Like he's like, no, do not, do not fall victim to this is the plot and this is how the plot's going to work out. It's like, just sit and write and just let it all come out. So it's like reading his book. It seems that Stephen King's process is like, he writes a book, like he's pouring the plot out of a bucket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just comes out and it's like, I, I can respect that, especially because of how successful and stuff he is, but I can't write like that. Yeah. I, mean, I tried writing like that in the past when, when I wrote my, the, the very first book 
that I wrote that is like, I will never do anything with because it is hot garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that one that way. (laughs) And then when I wrote, I became, I become death. I was like, Oh, outlines are your friend. (laughs) And for me, it very much was the case. Yeah. And especially something creative like that, where so many creative minds, no one really has the same process that works for them necessarily. So trying to like come up with a set standard to use for something that's very creative is sometimes really tough to do too. Yeah. I mean, in the end, you just got to find what works for you. And I don't know. I, I can't thank Steve Hudson enough for talking about that um, war of art book on heroes of noise, Mm -hmm. because that was, if you're a creative, like that's a book that you should read. It's not a big book either. It's, it's a little one. And it, it's weird. It's almost like a philosophy book. What's it's art? What's it called? The the war of what? War of art. War of art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not super creative, but I still might check it out just because <laughs> it'd be interesting. Just kind of like get those perspectives. Well, like remember when I was telling you about like one of the the thing he said like, like the thing that'll hold you back from these creative pursuits is like this resistance. Yep. And, and resistance just pretty much naturally forms whenever you're doing some sort of creative pursuit. Well, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a creative pursuit. It's just anything that's basically using your your higher mind that, that you have to do. And so mm-hmm. it, it can be like basically you can take those principles of resistance as well. Resistance is what's keeping you from fulfilling your diet. Resistance is what's keeping you from fulfilling your goals and work or your personal life or anything like that. So in a way, it, it reads like a like a life philosophy book. But, yeah. but the thing that I took from it mostly was I took it as just a kick in the pants to where it's like, dude, you are really good at making excuses. Don't sit and make excuses every day on why you're not going to write today. Because before I know it, I'm going to be retirement age and being like, wow, I worked at this job that I just kind of fell into when I was looking, working for, you know, looking for full-time work. I worked here for my entire life, though it wasn't something I was passionate about. Well, that entire time made excuses on why I wasn't doing the thing that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have that regret. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing hard for it now and, and it's, it's moving along, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that I'm going to have it released later this year. Oh, that's and awesome, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm feeling really good about where the first chapter's at. And so I keep going back and forth on, how soon I should record that and just release it on here, but I don't want to release it on here and then not have the book come out for 10 months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like I need to at least get this first book. Cause I've got the first three books fully planned out and I just need to get this one done and get the entire thing recorded before I start releasing episodes. So that way, at least I got however many chapters this first one ends up being, I'll have all those in the can and ready to go while I'm working on the, the follow-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just don't want to run into that scenario like George R. R. Martin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> what Comes the a TV f- show and then they don't know what to do with it when well, they don't uh, have the, the source material. All I know is the resistance is strong with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a show that I still haven't watched. I need to do it. I just haven't done it. it it's good. It is good, especially in the earlier seasons. And like, I, I didn't hate on the finale as much as a lot of other people did. I can kind of see where it's coming from, but you need to look at the last 
maybe even the last three seasons of that show, definitely the last two seasons of this is greatest hits of what a last maybe four seasons of this show should have been. Mm -hmm. And instead they condensed it down to greatest hits and called it two and a half seasons or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Because that last season, both last seasons are shortened and the last last season should have been at least two seasons by itself. Like the stuff that they condense in there is just wild. When you consider how slow things go and how long it takes characters to get from point A to point B in the early seasons. And then in the last season, it's just like they went from here to here in a single episode. Where in the first season, it was like, didn't it take you eight episodes to get from fucking (laughs) (laughs) get from where to there to there? And when you look at the map of of you know whatever the fuck the name of that play, when you look at the map of Essos, you're like, wow, this is huge. (laughs) <laughs> these characters are walking well that's the thing like with the walking dead i wish like i, I still wa- i watch the show because i love the comic and i really wish they would have just kept the se- the seasons at like i think the first couple seasons the there was like 12 episodes or something in a season i wish they would have kept it at like that number hmm. they'd have done seasons at like 12 episodes instead of breaking them up into like a 20 episode season or whatever, 18 episode season or whatever it is with the break in the middle it's just drags out there's so many filler episodes that like nothing is happening <laughs> has anybody ever floated the concept of the wanking dead it's just a bunch of zombies walking <laughs> around slow stroking <laughs> i don't there's think it'd Hank, be on network tv but no it wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> but like that's a show that they could have, if they would have kept it shortened, I feel like it would have been a really good season, like series that they could have gone eight, maybe like eight seasons total and gone the whole comic. But now they're getting, they're at least they're at the point now in the show where they're coming into the last story arc of the comic. So there's really nowhere else for them. They can't really do much more with it. Hmm. Like they already have all these branch off spinoff shows that are coming in those movies and stuff, but at least the, the normal running show is coming to an end. Yeah, I've never watched a single episode. Like, I didn't think I would like it. And then I started watching it one weekend back when, like, I think maybe the first two seasons were out because they had some, like, marathon on TV. So I watched a few episodes randomly and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then I restarted it from the beginning hmm. and thought those first two were really good because I think the first, I don't can't remember if the whole season was filmed in black and white or if there was just like aspects of it. But Frank Darabont, I know was on the first, at least the first season, maybe even the first two. And that's why like a lot of people thought it once it went to season three and on, they didn't like it as much because they liked the, the feel they were getting from the first two seasons with Darabont directing. Mm, yeah. 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 And that's always weird when there were shows lose showrunners or, you know, just like a major creative force and then it just changes. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a bummer when that happens. And, it, but, and the, you know, I mean, and that show's got its audience and the comics got its audience and stuff. It's just, I, I loved walking dead until I didn't. And then <laughs> for whatever reason, it was just like, it was an on off switch. I just went from, yeah, fucking walking dead is great. Phenomenal to, Oh fuck the walking dead. Not for me. <laughs> well, it's frustrating because some of the character deaths that are really badass in the comic they decide to either do them not to that character and to somebody else in the show, or they do a completely different death and the death is so shitty. Like it's not even a good death compared to like how they got killed in the comic. 
Damn. It's like I can get I can I can get if you want to change the the way they kill them because you want to kill them either in a more badass way or another way that's just as badass. But when they get killed in a really sweet way in the comic and then you just give them like a generic they got bit in the show, it really pissed me off. Yeah, I just I I don't abide bummers. Like bummers suck in real life. Why am I going to chase them in my fiction that I'm pursuing yeah. for for like I mean essentially like you know just fun inter- entertainment i'm i'm doing i'm i i absorb media for entertainment and being bummed out is not entertaining to me mm-hmm. and like it's cool that some people are are like into you know that sort of stuff and that's what they want to do that's cool but i get sad enough on my own i i don't i don't need my <laughs> my entertainment media to add to my sadness you know and yeah, so that, that's definitely... why but i i feel like as a result I have a narrow band of what I will allow like myself to watch. And, like and, Ozark. And, yeah, couldn't do Ozark. Dude, that first episode of that almost gave me a fucking panic attack. <laughs> it's so, I, I'm, I'm not I'm, shitting I'm not, you. I was I like, this to, is not for me. I, I can't watch this. I'm at the point now where like I didn't – I almost finished the second season. And I, like, I, I think I fell asleep one night because I was watching a lot of it. And I fell asleep because it was late. And the, the, there's maybe like two episodes left. And then for some reason, I just didn't get back to it. And then the third season came out, and it had been so long since I watched the second, I would need to rewatch it. So now I'm at the point where I just need to rewatch the second season before I can even get back into the show because I don't remember what happened. I've seen the first season two times through, so I know that one. Yeah. But it's, it's just like I don't remember enough from the second season to like feel comfortable jumping into the third. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's a show that's really good. But, yeah, I can definitely see that. That you definitely wouldn't have made it too far then with Breaking Bad either, because there's some scene, there's some episodes later on in Breaking Bad that would just give you a panic attack probably. Probably, I mean, generally whenever uh, I I empathize with like characters a lot in things that I watch to the point where now I've recognized that in myself and in like so I can I can actively disassociate from things sometimes. Yeah. Like um oh perfect example, the end of Wonder Woman eighty four where they tried to have the payoff with, with Maxwell Lord <laughs> and his son, it, it made me tear up just because I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. And I was putting myself in that position of, of, Oh, I love my boys. But as my eyes were tearing up, I was like, fuck you movie. Fuck you. You don't get to fucking <laughs> make me, you don't get to, you didn't earn this. You don't get to make me feel this way. <laughs> like you don't get to do this. Exactly. So Not with I this actively trash. fought against it. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. It's you know I, I'm I'm fully willing to accept that I might just be neurotic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, there's just there's uh, just some lanes of entertainment that I just can't do. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's some movies and stuff like I, like some just like types of movies I can't get into for some reason or another. I have a really hard time getting into foreign movies, and I don't know why. It's like. And it's not because I, I hate it when they, I I can do them when they're subtitled. I can't do them when they're dubbed. No, when it's dubbed, dubbed movies are it, terrible. It fucking, I can't get into, I can't listen to words that I don't see a mouth moving to. It just messes with me. Yeah. No, I don't even like, you know how every once in a while you start streaming something in the audio and the video yeah, don't line up. Yeah, I can't up? do that. Nope. I got to immediately shut that shit off. And then if yep. it's still going to do it, guess what? I'm watching something else. Yeah. Something else is going on because I can't stand it. <laughs> But then, like, stuff that's subtitled, I love watching it, but you have to be, like, you have to be 100% in. 
because yeah. you know at, at least if something you're watching something and you're like a little bit distracted you're maybe hearing it and absorbing some of it that way man, you're not going to do that when the main characters are speaking mandarin or japanese or something like that you know it's mm-hmm. and so that's the one thing that that kind of stops me from watching things that are dubbed sometimes is like i'll yeah. start to watch something and i'll go oh it's 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 um or not dubbed but like oh it's got subtitles mm, they really not looking for that much of a commitment right now <laughs> <laughs> like i just wanted something on i could just watch and not have to read yeah but like the raid movies and stuff like that they're all subtitled mm-hmm. you know because i think they're I'm not even going to speak to that because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't guess incorrectly. <laughs> they're, they're definitely some kind of Asian movie. <laughs> so, yeah, you guess incorrectly and someone might call you racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, let's just call it by the largest continent. <laughs> it's, liter- definitely, it's definitely an Asian culture. Yeah, we know that. It literally has people that encompass every color on it. But for some reason, when we say Asian... You know, we're not we're not talking about the Russian honkies. We're not we're not talking about the Indian people. <laughs> if you say Asian, people know you're talking about <laughs> East Asia. It's like how did that happen? Asia's the biggest fucking continent there is. Yeah, and you can't and you can't mix them up because if you call one the other, then it's it's no good. Yeah, and, and like being as somebody that all throughout life, I've always like I I don't do it on the podcast so much just because. Um, I don't know, so many of the conversations and stuff I get in here are serious. It just seems like a weird place to do lots of silly voices. But I've always been the type of person that does silly voices and stuff. And now we live in an age where there's certain voices you can't do. Mm-mm. Nope. And it's like, I've come around to thinking, fuck that. I can, I can, I should be able to do any voice that I want to <laughs> because you can't tell me that there's not a white person somewhere in that country that sounds like that. There probably <laughs> is. Maybe it's more racist for you to say that everybody who sounds like that is a certain color. Right, I you're don't gonna know. be like, there you're gonna be like, <laughs> gonna be like Randall from Clerks too. <laughs> you're gonna try to bring back it. Oh, you're no. gonna try to take it back. <laughs> I don't think I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you should be canceled if you if you're a white guy and you want to talk. If you want to do impression of a poo from from The Simpsons, <laughs> I know there's people who'd be real sore about it, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell me that there's not a, a Caucasian person in Delhi. <laughs> there's no right. Caucasians in Delhi. That's what you're telling me. Not one. And, and that guy who's there, he he just talks like everybody else. Exactly. No way. <laughs> I remember like there was this one episode of Lost I was watching, and I think it was the first time that I saw like you know like an Asian actress was like talking but she had like a australian accent oh that's weird and it's like yeah joe that's how that works she was born in australia like (laughs) guess what you might run into asian people in mexico and guess what they're gonna speak spanish (laughs) people are everywhere always gonna speak their language (laughs) it's weird man i don't know but like i said extremes man stay away from extremes yeah, <laughs> we're gonna bring this podcast full circle. We'll, Either we'll bring way, it back stay, to, to stay, stay away from extremes. extremes. <laughs> One extremes got you storming Capitol buildings, believing lies, and the other extremes got you just being a bully to people. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get them canceled for any little thing they say. 
Uh, you know, in the age of the cancel culture, though, if if you're doing something that you decide you don't want to do anymore and you just want to have a way out. Yeah, that's the quickest way out. Like, right? This be, oh, God, I'm sick of doing this. How quickly could I cancel myself? Let me just tweet, <laughs> let me just tweet something that might be a little ridiculous. I hope it gets shared. <laughs> oh, shit. That's weird. Oh, we went on a weird track here at the end. I like it. <laughs> Holy shit, we've been talking for a long time, dude. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Let, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Sounds good. Make sure you don't, people, tweet something unless you want to get canceled. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, be careful. Like, we've already found out Ambien's not an excuse. You know. You can't do that. No, no, no. Just... And then when you when you try to defend it by saying you mixed it with other drugs, that doesn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why you did it. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so that I, makes it I okay. liked how Ro- after Roseanne said that she was on Ambien, Ambien tweeted, our product does not cause racism. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they had to do stuff like that. Same with like, um, what is it? I mean, like just how ridiculous it's gotten over the, yeah, it's just how ridiculous it's gotten over the years where first it's the Tide Pods. And then they have to change their packaging because they don't want people to eat them. Like, really? <laughs> you can't figure out that you aren't supposed to eat these anyways? <laughs> like, it should it should be able to go without saying that a, that taking a medicine shouldn't make you racist. Well, like, yeah. That's not how it works. Well, but there, unfortunately, there should... they have to say it. <laughs> well, there should be just a certain Darwin level, too, where it's like, maybe just kind of let some of that sort itself out. I don't know. I mean, are we just diluting the gene pool in general? Like, like if, if if this person was like, you know, like a like a like a gazelle or like a wildebeest out on out on the savanna, like they got eaten by like a lion or a crocodile by now, right? You're right, exactly. They wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have lasted too long. <laughs> we will pick you dumbasses up and carry you stumbling along. You get to come along with the rest of society. <laughs> Bring the rest of us down. <laughs> we took a really weird track yeah. at the end here. <laughs> Basically, we're saying there's lots of stupid people out there. Just watch yourself. And stay away. Those are the extremes, usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The middle The middle's good. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's chill in the middle and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, the... the oh. I'm not going to do it, Rod. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole and start waxing philosophical about the middle road. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This has been a great time chatting with you. Yeah, it has. It's been, it was too long. That was the thing. Agreed. Agreed. It's been too long. Agreed. Yeah. No, I I spent way too much of 2020 not doing this podcast and being way too worried and stressed about other things and hoping for a much better 2021 and hopefully get more of these out. It was it was awesome talking to you, dude. Hopefully get the whole gang of us back together and start doing number one comic books again pretty soon. Hell yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. I know yeah. the, the the comics that that list that Brian sent the group and was talking about, man, some of those books look really good. Yeah, some of those look like they're gonna be really good books to read and hopefully they'll they'll come out strong. Yeah. Yeah, it's got me stoked to dive into the solicitations for the upcoming months and get some good number ones picked out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, well, well, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking time out on a Sunday and chatting with me, and it's been a good time. 
Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad you had me on again. Glad we got to chat for a while and shoot the shit. Agreed. <laughs> and if any of you are still still here, <laughs> still along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you held on this long. You're, you're going to stick to the end. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's, um, how, do, how the hell do I end these things, Rod? Just see if you put in 30 minutes of no sound and see if people listen all the way to the end. <laughs> they wonder if any more is going to come. <laughs> mid credit scene. Then you do the mid credit scene from the end of Homecoming. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you wait around for a long time for something and you just think, why did I spend all that time waiting? <laughs> it just wasn't worth it. <laughs> the most meta of the MCU stingers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like the one that speaks to, to PCL Jake's heart the most. Yeah. <laughs> or like Deadpool. Why are you still here? Yeah, Go the, home. Yeah, that's the fair that's the Ferris Bueller one that he was copying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I remember. I remember. I remember how this goes now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh, all coming to me. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast.